everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Dragon Talk. That's right, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. It's happening now on the Twitches. I don't know if you know that, but we are here live on twitch.tv slash dnd. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by these amazing people. Todd Kenrick. Hello. From D&D Beyond, and... Adam Bradford. From D&D Beyond. They are beyond excited. You can tell, because it's... Terribly excited. Five days of packs have not worn you down. Right, not at all. <laughs> Energy is high. We're ready to go. I, I'm just wondering where is Shelly. Uh, me too. <laughs> you know what? You know what she said? She said I have a meeting, <laughs> and it was, it was the only time the meeting could happen was when Adam was here. So I think it's personal. It, I think it's it, actually that sounds very personal. personal. I mean, I get it. When I signed up for this, though, she said she was going to be here. So yeah, I kind of feel a little bit cheated. I think uh, there's might be some some bad blood happening yeah. here. It's okay. It's okay to take it personally. I'll find her afterwards. <laughs> it's what a, it's yeah. what a professional would do. Shelly never does it to me, so I don't know. Yeah, that's on you. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and uh, I feel bad for you and because of you and on you. Okay. So don't do anything on me. <laughs> I don't want you to feel bad on anybody. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, uh, we're going to get to uh, a special interview with you guys talking about how it was like, uh, uh, I guess, the launch of D&D Beyond, because we talked to you and Leah uh, back when we announced D&D Beyond back in the spring. Yeah. Yeah, which was exciting. And now Very exciting you guys too. were like, we got so much work to do. And then now you're like, oh, my work's done now. Well, you know, <laughs> it's not done. <laughs> we're just getting started. Yeah, it's never going to be done. Yeah. Nice. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the mail, but in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> It'll always keep coming. Yeah. Cliff Clavin style. I don't know. D&D Beyond is not Cliff Clavin. <laughs> D&D Beyond is like something that is like a passion project that will continue to evolve into like a Tarrasque-sized wonderful beast that everyone will love. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. I want, I want like a Tarrasque I can love and hug yeah, instead like of having to defeat. Yeah, a Tarrasque. Like a plush. Yeah. yeah, I mean, surely that can happen. We need to talk to uh, uh, our friends at Ultra Pro. They can make that yeah. happen. They make the the fun little owl, owl bear dice bags and the mind flayer dice bags. Now we need a uh, Tarasque we yeah. can love and hug. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. All right. Well, we got to talk to them. Uh, so yeah, we had a really fun uh, PAX this whole weekend long, uh, culminating uh, I think with me with the uh, a live show. You guys got to see that, right? Yes, we did. And yeah. there was also like a little uh, uh, commercial, not commercial, but a, a trailer for everything that was happening with D&D Beyond before it. Yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, yeah, the, the trailer was really fun. Uh, we, d- we didn't have a lot of time to necessarily put it together, but it was like, I think it's the best example of like everything we're trying to do with D&D Beyond. Yeah. Because everyone knows it was going to be a great character builder and lots of compendium information. It's all searchable and spellless and monsters, but we're trying to make D&D Beyond to be like this central hub for D&D and right. that includes stories from the creators from the people who are making D&D where we just sit down the, sit down and let them talk about what they love mm-hmm. and then also talk to the community like people like Holly Conrad and Chris you know I mean and uh Sorry, not Chris Perkins. He's not. He's part of the community, but uh, a big part. Yeah, yeah. But but like Jerry Holkins and, and, and people from Maze Arcana and getting everyone together to talk about why they love what they love, and uh, that's what kind of D and D Beyond is becoming all about. Is well, it, it's it's also where it started. So for D and D Beyond, uh, in our offices at Curse, mm-hmm. everything was about the game itself. Hardly anyone had played before we really started getting into the development here. And I knew having played for a long time, I, I knew just get them playing and 
Get it it will take off like wildfire. Right. And so that that's what we saw happen. And um, it, it's just really incredible as we've gone through launch to see how much the team has accomplished in, in a relatively short amount of time. And looking at what that means and what this tool set can do for playing the game, uh, we're hearing a lot of stories about uh, how it is making that game management easier, which is what we set out to do, which is great. Mm-hmm. We know that we're uh, not there yet uh, in, in all the places. We are going to relentlessly continue to improve things. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, character management, character sheet, builder uh, changes and enhancements that will be coming in the, uh, the next several weeks. Ooh, and cool. we're going to be working on uh, homebrew races and subclasses and all of these things that uh, the community has been providing so much feedback we love hearing that. And we love acting on that. And so we're going to be doing that in the next several weeks. And as we were looking at this is going to launch as this tool set, and this is going to be a great thing for the game, we knew that a great thing for the game would also be to highlight what the game itself is about. And, and that is why uh, we looked, uh, we were fans of Dungeon Life. And uh, we said, you know, hey, Todd, uh, come over here and, and start making some great original content. We're really excited to be offering that now. Nice. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts of uh, uh, showing the trailer in front of uh, uh, 3,000 D&D fans for, in Benaroya Hall uh, uh, on Sunday night was, uh, you know, Jerry Hulkins got some cheers and some uh, Holly Conrad got some cheers, but then Todd Kenrick got a lot of cheers. Yeah, it's weird. There was, like, a lot of people were like, yeah, he Todd got Kenrick. A few. I mean, he still has to visit our offices, and I want to make sure that he can walk through the door. <laughs> like so, let's let's make sure. My that ego, yeah, no, my ego uh, is getting too big. Oh, no, I see. I thought it was I thought that was a height joke for a second, but then, <laughs> no. But like in all honesty, really like it, going to PAX and people uh, recognizing us either because our D and D Beyond shirts or like they recognize me from just the hosting that I've been doing recently, and people coming up from Dungeon Life and for D and D Beyond has yeah. been like really heartwarming. And and they're like the nicest community to like talk to <laughs> because like you have this instant shared history, so like. I don't know. It's just great. Like, I talk to people about their characters and, like, the campaigns they like and the videos they want to continuously see. Yeah. And PAX was really magical, and I wasn't expecting it. And, uh, it, yeah, it just meant a lot. Did it warm, it the, a warm the cockles of your heart? It's, Did you? Yeah, no. Cockles? Per- yeah. Oh, yeah. What a word. Uh, <laughs> if, if I had a heart, it would be very warm. <laughs> but well, you didn't Grinch, you know, grow three sizes yeah, yeah, no, it over is. the it's, course it's like, of Yeah, there was this amazing cosplayer that had done, like, a Jim Dark Magic cosplay. Oh, God, she's amazing. And, yeah, I saw her at PAX East yeah. uh, for, like, two years in a row, and I saw her on the escalators at, at the Washington State Convention Center where we kind of, like, passed. I'm like, oh, I know you. She's like, oh, my God, I and she like added to her costume and everything. Yeah, she's amazing. For me, this all started with the stream of annihilation. Yeah, and when we all got together and everyone's like, we all love D and D, and it was just like friends hanging out. It felt like actually like when school is out and you're still in the building, and you feel like you'd have the run of the school. That was the stream of annihilation, and to go to PAX and have everyone talking about D and D and being really open about it. That was I don't know. That was really magical. Right. Like, I don't get overly sentimental about a lot of things, but that was, it was just a really profoundly awesome experience. So, oh, that's super cool. Yeah. I love that you use that analogy too, because I feel like that's what the, uh, I was going for the whole time was trying to make it feel like, all right, the, the lunatics are running the asylum now yeah. and uh, we, we can <laughs> we just have all, our programming that people want to see. Yeah. And we're all weird in the same ways. It's yeah. great. Like, like all of us are like not necessarily incredibly social, but now we're very social exactly. together. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Uh, I know, I love that too. Uh, all right, well, uh, we'll get more into the nitty gritty of what you guys have done so far and how you're going to be doing more and uh, uh, the plans on the future uh, when we come back uh, from interview. But I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and then we'll throw it to a lore you should know or a sage advice segment. I'm not really sure which one it's going to be. Who knows? We got. I don't think we've even recorded them yet. This is things that will it's happen just in going the to future. Materialize exactly. Yes. We'll just talk about things. Um, but for now, I want to let you guys know on the on uh, uh, the the uh, both listening on the podcast form and on the Twitch, Hascon is happening the weekend after we record this. So uh, September eighth through the tenth, I will be there. Chris Lindsay will be there. Uh, I just remembered that Tyler Jacobson is going to be there. He created the art for the uh, Dungeon Master screen reincarnated, as well as a, a whole bunch of uh, all of our uh, covers. Um, he will be there uh, in in force. So. If you're listening to this on Twitch, please uh, come and hang out in Providence, Rhode Island with us. Uh, we'll play some magic. We'll play some Dungeons and Dragons. It'll be tons of fun. Uh, I've uh, talked about uh, Hascon many times here on uh, this here Twitch channel, so I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about it at this point, but it is going to be happening right now uh, in a couple of days. Actually, I'm leaving tomorrow uh, to, to fly on a jet plane all the way across the country uh, to Providence, Rhode Island. I'm really excited about meeting new people there as well as uh, seeing some of, some of my old friends that I haven't get to see in a long time because I'm going back to the Northeast. Uh, go Red Sox. That's all I have to say. Uh, but if you do end up going, not only will you get to hang out with all those fun people, but you also uh, get a uh, access to a wonderful uh, Hascon exclusive of May, My Little Pony dice, the dice tin uh, that are all pink and awesome. It says Friendship is Magic on it. I know I've got like five orders from people here in the building here who aren't going to Hascon or like, you got to make sure you give me some. So uh, those of you who, will be, who are going, make sure you pick up a whole bunch of those and uh, spread them around to your uh, brony friends because I know there are uh, a lot of you out there. Including me. Uh, all right. So, and that also has gone also times up with Tomb of Annihilation coming out in game stores on September 8th. That's right. Everyone will be able to start playing the story we've been talking about that we first introduced as Stream of Annihilation with all you guys. And it will now actually be a thing that the rest of the world will be able to partake in and play. And I can't wait to hear about what happens uh, at your individual table. So please uh, make sure to uh, hop into your game store, get an co early copy, and uh, uh, start playing because uh, there's lots of fun stuff. There's also lots of great D&D uh, Adventurers League content that is going on uh, simultaneously with that. So uh, go to your local game store, see what they've got on the schedule, and definitely partake with all that. It's going to be tons of fun. And um, some of those uh, creators who have made stuff for D&D Adventurers League are now creating content that will be up on September 8th, timed up, uh, uh, basically, like first day DLC is what my friend Chris Lindsay here on the D&D team refers it to as. Uh, fun stuff that's ancillary, that's not in the Tomb of Annihilation story guide uh, or in the adventure itself, uh, but is uh, new stuff that you can uh, partake in. There's a lot of really fun and interesting things, and that is with the Guild Adept program on the Dungeon Masters Guild. Uh, if you want to find out more about that, definitely go... Um, to the Dungeons and Dragons website, and you can find out more. I know there's a specific link in here somewhere, but uh, my friend Palom will put it in the chat here, so you can go and follow in all the awesome stuff that's going to be coming out this Friday. Gosh, that's soon. Very soon. I can't believe it. The thing we've been talking about all this time is finally happening. And that will be on D&D Beyond as well. Yeah, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah grab it there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's a deal, right, if you had uh, gotten it ahead of time. Oh, never mind. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so all that content, you can always grab it there, uh, as well as uh, uh, on uh, our digital tabletops that we also have partners with, so Roll20, as well as Fantasy Grounds, you can check it out there. Uh, speaking of stuff you can play at Hasgon, Dragon Plus just recently came out, and uh, uh, the issue 15 talks all about, it's basically the tabletop issue, so we delve into Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which is coming out on October 6th, 6th 
as Shelly would say if she were here, and she would also uh, uh, want to shill for uh, Dragon Plus and how awesome that is. If you don't know what it is, it's a app that you can download on your iPad, on your uh, Android uh, tablet or phone, uh, also on the web at dragonmag.com, and it's got... Uh, bi-monthly issues. Every two months we come out with uh, uh, new content that's all about stuff that's coming out in the Dungeons & Dragons universe. Uh, uh, so stuff from all of our partners. We had articles with you guys. We had articles with uh, um, uh, WizKids who came out with the minis, the Tomb of Annihilation minis that came out this summer. Um, and uh, this issue is all about uh, tabletop and uh, uh, board game play. So we deep dive into uh, Betrayal of Baldur's Gate as well. Um, and also uh, just so you guys know, uh, 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 later on today we'll also be having a Dragon Plus show, and in this case, we're having Holly Conrad, Anna Prosser Robinson, Chris Perkins, and Jared Knabenbauer, I think I said it right, uh, we'll all be in this studio right here uh, talking at uh, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time, uh, so stay tuned for that. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah. That would be awesome. I know, right? All of them, all here, because they were, like, in town, so might as well get them in. Uh, and uh, it's in the same time slot that uh, uh, Dice Camera Action has been, so we wanted to... Gotta keep it going as much as we can. Keep it going. Um, I mentioned Dungeon Master Screen Reincarnated. Uh, that's got the awesome art that uh, Tyler Jacobson did with the red dragon flying above uh, a city. That comes out on September 19th, as well as Tomb of Annihilation, the Dice Tin uh, that Curse Perkins showed off during the uh, PAX West live show, um, which you can check out, I think, on YouTube and on our Twitch channel as well. Good stuff. He came as uh, as that guy. He was a Sarak, in case you didn't you didn't see it yet. Yeah. And the costume <laughs> was by Danny Hartel, uh, who also made the awesome Batiri Goblin costumes, uh, along with Holly Conrad for our stream of Annihilation. But she, Danny Hartel, made uh, Chris Perkins' costume last night, and it, or for, I can't say last night. It wasn't actually last night. No, it wasn't last night. Danny Hartel is amazing, and so the detail good. work on that costume was fantastic. And even in Infernal, it spells Perkins. Uh, <laughs> Danny is just like. She's like a member of my tribe. I don't know how to describe. <laughs> she's just your a, people. One, she yeah, she's my people. Her and Kali Conrad, like they're just the most wonderful, talented people, and they're just yeah. She did an amazing job on that costume. That was like Game of Thrones level stuff for both of them. I love that she. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but uh, she made his helmet on, modeled yeah. on his uh, <laughs> black ampersand hat uh, uh, that we had in the office here for a long great. time. It worked great. And, I mean, how comfortable going to be if it's just a cap? You just throw it on. Yeah. That's. I feel like that's what a Sarah Rack has on his. Uh, I think it's like actually it a hat on. Yeah, I mean, it might be one of those beer hats I don't know, <laughs> with like souls on either side. Oh, man. <laughs> He's just drinking souls out of his. This sto- <laughs> the soul juice is. So good. I'm so drunk right now. Uh, so uh, also uh, something really awesome that's coming out uh, September 19th is uh, a program we're calling the Podcasts of Annihilation. So part of the streaming thing that we did, we got all these uh, people who do video streaming and we got them together and they all were in the same area. But people who create audio content, uh, audio only, uh, uh, wanted to get in and they were like, oh, this sounds like a great idea. So Josh Peralt uh, from the Taking Initiative podcast reach out to me and we got 10 other podcasts uh some of which we've had on this show before like god's fall and uh uh uh, um uh what was the other one nerd poker we had dan uh, teffler from nerd poker as well the sneak read from the sneak attack uh they're all involved in here as well as encounter roleplay dungeon rats venture maidens dragon drunks uh, shout out to uh, Oboe Crazy, uh, as well as D&D for Nerds, You Meet in a Tavern, and Drunks and Dragons. A lot of drinking in, in podcast audio land. Um, we will be doing uh, two new uh, uh, podcast episodes with from all of these creators uh, over the course of that entire week, the week that uh, Tomb of Annihilation launches wide for everyone to play. Uh, so that'll be September 18th through the 22nd. 
two new ones on our Dungeon Delve RSS feed. So if you're listening to this in podcast world, uh, we have another feed where we have mostly our live audio play. So this fits in perfectly there. Uh, we'll be doing two new episodes each day, Monday through Friday that week. So go in and check them out. If you're interested in finding out more uh, about Podcasts of Annihilation and the groups that are involved in it, uh, follow the link on there. But it's uh, dnd.wizards.com slash POA to find out more about that. I'm pretty excited about it because it's a great way to get uh, um, other people who uh, are not necessarily video streaming but uh, have audio. And I think uh, some of them do really great uh, sound effects and make almost like a, like a radio play. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, um, let's see, uh, BBC had wonderful radio plays, and that's what it reminds me of. Exactly. It's yeah, good stuff. Mind's Eye as well. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're really fun and really uh, passionate about uh, they'll be playing through their own little version of Tomb of Annihilation uh, similar to uh, what people did here. I love it because it's almost like a microcosm of what's going to happen on tables everywhere around uh, uh, the country and the world as people get into Tomb of Annihilation. They did it all. Uh, they're like, what about this? Or, I hope it's not what someone else is doing. I'm like, no one else is doing yeah. that idea. You had the perfect idea that's good for your group. Like, run with it. Everyone's game is always completely different. It's true. So. It's, it's just incredible with these new ways to get the word out about the game and for people to get a little bit of a peek into, hey, this is how my game is at my table, uh, whether it is streaming itself or these podcasts. It's just incredible for the game, and uh, it's just contributed so much to how the game has blown up and, and how it's become uh, so popular. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, a really big part of it. So uh, it sounds like Josh uh, took a lot of initiative <laughs> reaching out to you guys. And it's a it's a very good thing that he did. Uh, I, I think it's an incredible idea. I can't wait. Oh, my God. That pun is going to... That's a rough pun. Yeah, you rolled a 20 on that 100% one. 100% dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so uh, a little bit of housekeeping. I will be out of uh, the office, basically, for HasCon, as well as next week uh, doing some fun, exciting stuff in the Northeast uh, maybe you'll find out about what exactly I'm doing next year. Uh, but um, there will be no Dragon Talk uh, recording next Monday. Uh, and uh, But we will be having Force Grey, uh, a new episode. I think Episode 7 will debut next uh, uh, Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, there will also be a Dragon Plus happening uh, on 4 p.m. Uh, uh, Bart Carroll will be taking care of D&D News at 3.30 in my absence next week. I'll be still with him uh, at 3.30 today. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, but then uh, he will also then be also talking. Uh, I see also a lot throughout when I'm doing all this. He'll be doing Dragon Plus starting on um, what? <laughs> I just see pointing. And I'm like, oh, my God, things are things are terrible. Um, uh, we'll be doing a, uh, in the Dice Camera Action slot. There will be um, uh, uh, another Dragon Plus starting up. And then we'll be back with Dice Camera Action starting on September 19th uh, with uh, Holly, Jared, Nathan, and Anna and Chris uh, starting up their new season three, and they will be in uh, Tomb of Annihilation happening then as well. Very excited about that. Uh, for those of you guys who need to get into uh, our Twitch subscriptions, they are now open. Uh, there's fun uh, chat emotes as well as badges that you can get into. Uh, uh, so uh, definitely check a look at that if you're interested. Uh, I saw a few people had uh, subscribed for number two. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you guys were able to do that. Second month, uh, thank you for subscribing. You guys are the best. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. I think that's, I, I think I've talked enough. I, that didn't seem like enough. Now there's more, there's more on here, but I think we'll get to it uh, in the natural flow. So we're going to throw it to, uh, a segment. We're going to do some, uh, uh, some, some bing bongs right about now, and then we'll dive in deep with you guys on D&D Beyond. I'm excited. Thanks, guys. Bing bong.
Welcome to another segment of Sage Advice. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... Jeremy Crawford. Hello, we are, everyone. Hello. We are here to talk uh, about uh, the mechanics of Dungeons & Dragons and some of the uh, ideation around the design of, of why we chose to do what we did. Not me. Why Jeremy and, and uh, Mike Morales and the rest of the team decided to do what they did uh, for 5th edition. Uh, and today, we're going to delve into a specific topic, uh, which we get asked a lot of questions for. I see it on Twitter a lot. The polymorph spell. It is one of the tenets of, of uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, uh, mechanics for a long, long time. But it's pretty open ended. There's a lot of things that can go uh, dastardly, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of players like to try to use it to their advantage, uh, and uh, you know, and rightly so. But we're going to get to the heart of of uh, what the fifth edition version of that spell is, and and uh, and get to it. So, what are some of the questions that that people come at you uh, uh, that are that are a little bit confused? So it. It's a, a nest of questions, largely because you're suddenly becoming something else. I mean, right. it's that simple. And today, we're not only going to talk about polymorph, we'll also touch on true polymorph, which is the even more powerful version of that spell. We'll touch on shape change, uh, another powerful body-altering spell. And we'll touch a little bit on wild shape, which we've talked about before. Right. Uh, which is, you know, specific to the druid, but I noticed that sometimes questions about polymorph will start bleeding into wild shape and wild shape questions start bleeding into polymorph. Uh, They're interconnected, for sure. Also understandable because each of these different magical abilities, they have certain things in common with each other, but they also have things that are unique to each of them. And hence, it's easy to sometimes get them confused. Like you'll think, oh, because polymorph works this way, wild shape must also work this way, right. and true polymorph must also work this way. Uh, but there's a reason they're they're different features and spells. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And this is a great example of D and D being an exceptions based game, where you know we have a set of general rules, but then each exception and a spell is a great example of an exception. Each exception is like a little rules universe unto its own that follows, in some ways, its own rules. And so often, what you need to know for how a spell works is just read the spell. And it tells you how it works, unless, again, it's hooking into some general rules, like if it hooks into certain conditions in the game, uh, or if it relies on certain aspects of the combat system. But otherwise, what the spell says it does, that's what it does. Now... One of the big things that causes people to ask questions about polymorph uh, is the fact that your class features and other uh, aspects of your character get essentially turned off Mm -hmm. uh, if you get transformed by somebody else with polymorph. And polymorph is – it's a very versatile spell because you can use it on your friends if they're willing targets, but you can also use it on other people who are unwilling, and then they have to make a saving throw to see if they can resist it. And then if they don't, they get turned into a beast. Right. And polymorph is also different from, say, true polymorph or shape change in that it turns you specifically into a beast. And and, and what that means is a monster from uh, the monster manual or another official source Uh, that has the beast creature type. So you can't use polymorph, for instance, to turn your friends into dragons or or into zombies. Uh, You're going to turn them into something like a warhorse or a lion, a bear, etc. Right, and that's different from uh, the polymorph that uh, dragons use and that is true. Is that true polymorph? Is that the the difference when dragons turn into... So they have have a, 
it's a, it's, this is an example of yet another exception in yeah. our exceptions-based game. The dragon's ability uh, is very particular, and it allows the dragons uh, to turn into humanoids, uh, those dragons that have it. Uh, that's that's among the special things about their particular version of this ability. And, I see. Okay. And, and so that's that's actually one of the things I most wanted to talk about uh, up front in this podcast is each of these shape-changing abilities needs to be read on its own. So in many ways, it makes everyone's life easier, and that was our goal. We designed each of them so that when you use true polymorph, you don't need to know what polymorph does. When you're a dungeon master running a dragon and you're using that dragon's shape-changing ability, you don't have to care what the polymorph spell says. You just read what it says in the stat block, and that's what it does. That was our goal. We didn't want you to have to kind of think, well, now what do all these other things do in this constellation of magic for me to figure out how this one, th- how this one thing works? You can just focus on it, and it's your guide. But even when you focus on it, some questions can come up. Right. So your friend, you're a wizard, and your other friend who's a wizard uh, is going to turn you into a panther for whatever reason. You've decided, I want to be a panther. So bam, <laughs> you're a panther. I like panthers. They're all cool. Right. So one of the things that the polymorph spell says is that your game statistics are replaced by the creatures. Now, sometimes this expression, game statistics, throws people uh, because what that's getting at, that is basically shorthand for the stat block of the creature basically replaces your character sheet. Right, so all Uh, of those saving throws, ability scores, uh, attacks everything is just what's in the monster manual. Exactly. Really, it's basically what it's telling you is take your character sheet, set it aside, take the monster stat block, and you're now that you're now playing that monster. Now, is that true uh, including uh, intelligence? Like are you the are you the same sentient being or do so, you get dumber? when you get turned into a beast. So what happens, and, and again, this is an area where polymorph is actually diff- is very different from, say, the druid's wild shape. Right. Polymorph replaces all of your ability scores, including your intelligence, your wisdom, and your charisma. Oh. All that you retain is sort of the core of your personality and your alignment. Everything else about you changes. Uh, so you, you are, if you get, say, turned into... You know, you, got, you turned into a Labrador. You're, you are basically now a dog. Uh, but in there somewhere is your, is your personality. You've always wanted to role play a dog. <laughs> you, now you finally you can. You can do this. You can do this too. For, for, for the, the duration of the spell, which it's a concentration spell. So often if polymorph is being used against you uh, offensively and no one in your group has dispel magic available, the surest way to get your friend out of that form that they don't want to be in is to beat on whoever casts the spell to disrupt their concentration and polymorph so that your friend can be restored uh, to their natural form. Right, right. But that's and, a, that can be a very dangerous thing, especially in, say, a deadly adventure like, like Tomb of Annihilation. If you're, if you're in the jungle and you're starving and you turn into a panther, for example— What's where's the most food is right next to you in your party, right? <laughs> so like a, 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 a dumb animal would just, you know, well, want to eat the thing that's most next to them. But this is why it's key that you do keep your personality. So so the intent there is you still know who your friends are. Mm. So you might you're way less intelligent about it. You're probably not gonna be as wise. Uh, you're not gonna be as charismatic as you were, uh, unless 
unless all, all of those scores were your dump stats. I, I can imagine the rare <laughs> character who might actually see some ability score go up <laughs> yes, when they get transformed into oh, a beast. you barbarians out there. But yeah, your personality and your alignment are the same. So if you're lawful, if you were lawful good, you're going to be a lawful good golden retriever, if that's what you get turned into. You're still going to know who your friends are. Okay. Uh, you know, you know who, who, who the people are you care about. Uh, so it's not like your being is erased, uh, but it, it, it's almost like I can imagine, if I, if I try, to, try to imagine what it would be like to experience it, it would be sort of like, it's almost like you're going for a ride uh, in this chariot uh, where suddenly you don't quite know how to use the controls. Like mm. just a moment ago, you knew how to control this chariot, and now suddenly, whoa, what's happening? Right. Uh, because... Suddenly you have limbs you didn't have before and a way of perceiving and you, your brain is different. Uh, An Edgar suit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so what it means then is that when you take up that stat block and use it instead of your character sheet, it means you know, you're not using any of your feats if, if your character has them. Uh, you're not using any of your class features. You're not using any of your racial traits. All of that gets set aside. Okay. Uh, and... It, which means it's actually a, a kind of simple uh, process at the table is can just grab that stat block and that's what you're now playing. Right. Uh, until, and that can be, until the spell ends. And that you, you can use that to your advantage if it's got better attacks. Mm -hmm. Say if you're a, a wizard, you get better melee attacks. If you're you know, yeah. transforming to gorilla or something like that, like I feel like that's uh, a lot of people use it that way. But then also... Uh, being able to sneak around, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, just just as druids can use wild shape to gain physical capabilities they lack in their humanoid form, you can use polymorph on your friends and uh, even on yourself uh, to uh, gain, you know, maybe the ability to breathe underwater, to fly, to climb walls, uh, to sneak into an area unnoticed because. They don't care that a group of dogs just, you know, ran just ran in. Yeah. Uh, there, there are all sorts of neat uh, exploration uses that polymorph uh, can be put to, and even some social interaction uses. You know, yeah. you, you, I can imagine a situation where, you know, that duke that everyone suspects of being the villain has agreed to meet with only one member of the party. Well, that member shows up with their pet dog, who happens to be another member of the party polymorphed. Yeah, uh, right. And yeah. then the, so but the, the duration would have to end for the polymorph to end because you can't cast you wouldn't be able to dispel magic on yourself as a as a If if yes, if you cast it on yourself then well, then you can just stop concentrating because it's a mm. concentration spell. Uh, that's and, something that a that a that a dog could do. Yep. Got yeah. It. And and that that actually leads to one of the questions I get. Uh that Perfect segue. I did yes. That. I completely on purpose. Yeah. You're always great at that. <laughs> uh, so uh, people often wonder, if you cast it on yourself, does it interrupt your concentration? And the answer is no. Uh, the concentration rule outlines uh, for us what breaks concentration. Uh, you know, that is, taking damage has the potential to break concentration. You then have to make a saving throw to see if, if you're able to keep your concentration going. Mm -hmm. Concentration is also broken if you start casting another concentration spell. Uh, and then it's also uh, ended if you're incapacitated or you die. Uh, so you'd see in that list is not included having your, your body changed right. by magic. And the polymorph spell does not say this ends concentration. So this is a, what this is, 
going back to that theme of exceptions, this is an example where the exception, the polymorph spell, does not uh, make a change to the general concentration rule. And so, yes, you could indeed cast it on yourself and then end concentration uh, to end the spell. Makes sense. Uh, but then you can also, uh, uh, if you have a friend who's a spellcaster, cast it on yourself, but then have a buff spell that you're also concentrating on, like a fly, for example. Say, yes, so if someone, a, someone else polymorphs you, you can then keep concentrating on another spell. Exactly. So flying golden retrievers. Yes. All right, good. Yes, awesome. I just want to make sure that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> make, it a, make it a thing. They should be flying everywhere. And I love golden retrievers. Yeah, they're very, yeah, As I'm, someone said in the chat, they're a charisma of 20. Yeah. All golden retrievers <laughs> have a charisma of 20. It's in the book. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to change it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. With polymorph, some of the confusion sometimes that that bleeds into polymorph, as I mentioned before, actually comes from wild shape because wild shape is different from polymorph in that you actually keep some of the abilities on your character sheet. So wild shape is a bit more complicated than polymorph. Right. Uh, and that's actually one of the reasons why it's sort of locked behind a class wall. You know, there's just one class who has wild shape and they get this special form of shape changing where they actually get to keep some of their capabilities from their class, even some of their capabilities from their race, as mm -hmm. long as those racial abilities are not tied to particular anatomy that they have in their humanoid form. Right. Uh, and so in, it's in wild shape that all sorts of other questions, as we've talked before again, uh, uh, pop up. in sage advice, pop yeah. up having to do with like which feats still apply, which racial traits apply, which class features apply. Right. None of those questions are really relevant for polymorph uh, because it, again, just shuts them all off. Makes right. sense. And so another question we get, and uh, this is something that comes up also with Wild Shape and really with any of these transformative abilities, and that is if you're transformed into, say, a primate, uh, like you're transformed into a gorilla, could you then cast spells that require only, say, a somatic component. Because mm, then uh, you can use your hands. And, right. And, and, and this question is prompted by a little bit of text that I'll read in the polymorph spell it, it, itself. It says, The creature is limited in the actions it can perform by the nature of its new form, and it can't speak, cast spells, or take any other action that requires hands or speech. So the intent here is you simply can't cast spells. Right. Okay. Uh, that and that's that's actually why the ability, or in this case, the inability to cast spells, is specifically called out. Mm -hmm. There, there is not meant in the polymorph spell to be some kind of workaround where, well, if you know you, you have hand-like appendages, you can now suddenly cast spells with somatic components. Right. Uh, the you know, or if you polymorph into a parrot and you're like, I have a, I can speak. Right, so right. that means I, I can mimic my own voice that I would normally do. To, and that's yeah. expressly forbidden. Yeah. And that, now I understand why this question gets asked because the way we worded this, we sandwiched your ability to cast spells uh, in between these references to hands and speech. Uh, honestly, if I were rewriting this spell today, I would pull that prohibition on spellcasting out into its own sentence to make it. it to make it clear <laughs> the two concepts are not interrelated. Right. Uh, it. This also happened with Wild Shape as well, exactly. if I remember, because there was just the proximity to them in the description. Exactly. Drew a lot and, of confusion. And the main reason why in our writing these things ended up getting tangled up is because we 
uh, we're just simply thinking of, and here are the things you can't do. This, uh, this, this, and this. Exactly. And and sometimes when we're writing rules, we will, you know, then once we have hindsight, we're like, oh crap, yeah. because we the the sequence in which we mention those things can now be read in a way that it seems like they're interrelated, and that if you're able to sort of deal with one part, you can then right. turn off this part of the prohibition. It's one of the interesting things about writing rules in that. It, things can be uh, grammatically correct, uh, but they still can draw confusion as as it, when it gets in contact with the audience and how they parse it. it Absolutely. It's very important. I think some, uh, yeah, right. So it's 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 been a that's why there's fifth edition you know, because language itself kind of changes mm-hmm. and and we kind of have to figure out how to communicate the best to to the audience how how things are intended and have podcasts like this <laughs> too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, is there any other things with polymorph uh, before so we move on to, to true? I want to jump down to true polymorph. Okay. True polymorph is the totally bonkazonk spell <laughs> at ninth <laughs> level, where you can transform people. Uh, not just into beasts. You can transform them into other types of creatures. Uh, you can transform them into objects. And you can transform objects into creatures. Like mm. this is just the ultimate, you know, from fairy tales of I turned that chair into my new servant. You right. know, that, this kind of craziness. This pumpkin is a carriage. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is... This is the spell that allows essentially the fairy godmother from Cinderella oh, to do her a, job. She's an 18th level wizard. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. She know. was powerful. She was pretty powerful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there was limitations. It had to end at midnight. <laughs> I, I think she just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You need to have deadlines and, to and, get anything done. And most spellcasters are, you know, they're they're kind of impish and cranky, yeah. and you know, they just like to mess with. People. This makes sense. Yeah. Uh, All right. So that's uh, yeah. So so this. Uh, has so many more questions must come from True Polymorph yes. for this reason. Yes. And and actually, now that I'm talking about True Polymorph, I also want to talk a little more about Polymorph, about the two of them together. Okay. Uh, about a, one little bit of clarification that we made for both spells in the errata for the player's handbook. Ah, right. So a change that we made in both spells uh, is we made it clear that the spells have no effect on somebody who has zero hit points. I'm bringing this up because some of our listeners might not have seen the Player's Handbook errata and mm. aren't aware that that change was made to the spells. Now, people might wonder, well, why did we make that change? It seems rather strange. I was just going to ask that question, but good. So both spells uh, are similar to the Druid's Wild Shape in that when you are transformed into whatever creature you're transformed into, you adopt that creature's hit points. And so we, it was not our intent for these spells to be used as healing spells where like, oh, uh, Brenda's at zero hit points. I'm going to transform her into this creature which has 50 hit points and now suddenly she's been restored. Right. The intent is to transform somebody who at least has one hit point. Uh, And we realized after publication that the way those spells were originally written, they literally could be used on somebody at zero hit points. But uh, they still could, I mean, they could still act as healing if it was cast on someone with one hit point, for example. Would they go up to 50 as uh, uh, the, so you, the, the whole shape that you just made, or would they still be a one hit point so gorilla, with, for example? With these spells, you assume the hit points of the creature. 
so it is not technically healing. It's it, Basically, it's a replacement. Mm. You, you set aside your hit points. They stay whatever they were. So if you were, if you were at one hit point when you got turned into that gorilla, your true form still has one hit point. But now you have the hit points instead of the gorilla. You don't add them together. Uh, and when you run out of those gorilla hit points, you revert to your true form, and you still have that one hit point you that you had one. before. Okay. And it gets really dangerous for you if you were transformed when you have so few hit points, because if the damage that knocks you to zero in that beast form, if there's enough to carry over, let's say you had 50 oh. gorilla hit points, and somebody does 75 hit points to you, well, 25 of those hit points are going to carry over to you the poor guy who has only one hit oh, point left. That's important. I don't know if a lot of people would, would, uh, would, would know that. Yeah, and I think I might interpret it being like, oh, those 50, then you revert, and then you have to get hit again. No, yeah, any, any leftover hit points carry over. So, again, that's yeah. – it could be – be careful. <laughs> yeah. you, it could be a last-ditch thing if you're going to get smashed again, mm-hmm. like, oh, run away you know, yeah. as, a, as a mouse or something like that. Mm-hmm. But be careful, right? Yeah. I like that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, even though – Polymorph and true polymorph are not healing spells. A, a wizard or another spellcaster who's casting these spells could certainly use them to bolster uh, somebody who's low on their hit points. You know, pick an animal form right. uh, that that is more resilient than this poor person who's near death. A blue whale, for example. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if if it is of the um, appropriate challenge rating, because there are challenge rating limits in both of the spells, and we don't have blue whale in there. Darn it. We should. <laughs> we do have whales. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it would be terrifying. I'm so appeared. <laughs> Kaboom. Like Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy yes. type level of uh, nutsoness. Uh, cool. Now, true polymorph, yeah. in addition to being able to turn people into pretty much anything, uh, also, uh, as a ninth level spell, has the additional effect that if the spellcaster concentrates for the spell's full duration, which is up to one hour, so if, if you cast it on somebody, you, you manage to keep the spell going for that full hour, mm-hmm. it becomes permanent. And this causes questions. Right. Uh, and this is also actually something we clarified in the errata. Uh, because in the original printing of the player's handbook, it said permanent. And it was unclear to people, well, what does that mean? Is it like instantaneous? Like elsewhere in our magic, we'll talk about things being instantaneous, meaning the magic does something, creates some kind of effect in the environment or yeah. some kind of transformation, but then the result that's left behind is not itself magical and therefore can't be dispelled. So people have wondered, well, what does permanent mean? Permanent means it is still magical, and but it lasts until it's dispelled, so potentially forever. Right. Uh, uh, and so what we did in the errata is we replaced the word permanent with it lasts until it's dispelled. Got uh, it. All right, and so so, it up. so it is still a magical effect. The true polymorph spell is still going on that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that also means you can't sort of stack true polymorph up on a person because we have the rule of. Uh, you know, when, when a person is under the effect of a spell, uh, you know, it's it, each, each spell, each casting basically replaces whichever one has that if the other one is less potent uh, uh, or essentially it, it, the, the next one on the stack replaces the previous one on the stack unless the previous one on the stack was more powerful than, than the next one. 
and and then they kind of fall off as their durations fall off. Got it. So what if what if a uh, person had been true polymorphed, uh, lasted an hour and became permanent, mm-hmm. and then someone else cast true polymorph again mm-hmm. into a different form? Mm-hmm. Would that supersede? Yes, uh, it would supersede it. And then the hour duration thing would have to happen again, right? So it's another. I guess, I mean, I don't know why you would waste a ninth level spell when you could just use a third level spell to dispel it, but you know. Right, fairy tales. Yeah, reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, but it, what that means is, uh, you're exactly right. You, you, you have the rule. Uh, it's on target uh, in your mind. In that, let's say someone's been permanently transformed. You transform them into something else, but only. But you, your true polymorph only lasts forty five minutes. Right. When those forty five minutes end, they're going to go back to whatever it was they were transformed into permanently. Oh, okay. because again, that's how our how our, the, stacking. the stacking thing works. Interesting. Uh, that okay. essentially, they, the, when you cast multiple versions of the same spell on somebody, they don't dispel each other. They basically suppress each other. I see. And it, it's, you know, either the most powerful one uh, is in effect or, or basically whichever was the most recent one that was cast. Got it. All right. So what other uh, uh, true polymorph kind of questions do you get? So uh, people ask, uh, can you turn people into magic items? Uh, and... This is actually a, a place where uh, the, <laughs> the spell is a little vague uh, because when you get into the part of this long spell that it ta- where it talks about turning a creature into an object, it just says if you turn a creature into an object, it transforms along with whatever it is wearing and carrying into that form. Uh, the creatures become those of the object and the creature has no memory of time spent in this form. Uh, so, you know, your lamppost... And uh, you don't remember being a lamppost. Okay, so this is not Beauty and the Beast level of like, oh, he's a... Lumiere. Yes, yes. exactly. (laughs) Or is it Cogsworth is the clock guy? Is the clock, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. I'll be at Disneyland in November, so... (laughs) You got to bone up on all of your uh, 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 trivia. Yeah, that's right. To know it. Um, Uh, Okay, so so, so they don't remember it, but this is not how sentient magic items are created. So, uh, no. And so here is where it... I'll, I'll talk about intent. The very first sentence of the true polymorph spell is choose one creature or non-magical object that you can see within range. The idea is whether whatever it is you're targeting or transforming the person into when it comes to objects, uh, it should always be a non-magical object. And here's another great example. If I, if I were... Uh, developing this spell today yeah. as opposed to when I did four years ago, uh, uh, I would make sure the word non-magical was basically repeated over and over. Non-magical object, non-magical object, non-magical object. You, again, you cannot use the spell to turn somebody into a vorpal sword. Got it. Uh, but you can turn them into a lamp uh, or, or, or what have you. Uh, you can also uh, turn objects into creatures as, as I mentioned. Uh, now, uh, do the object gets the, stati- uh, the statistics of the... Of the creature? Of yes. Of the creature. Yes. But not the personality of the object does not go through, right? So I guess it would, it would develop its own personality based on it just being born, I guess. Right. And the thing is, when you turn an object into a creature, and the spell accounts for this a bit, because obviously an object that turns into a creature is not going to arrive with any personality. Right. Or, uh, or instinct, really. Right. Would it? I mean... And, and, well, it is, it is that creature. So it, right. it, it has that creature's mental ability score and everything. But what the spell specifies is that this, new, this basically this creature you have created, you, you, know, you, you, you just took your, 
your favorite teddy bear and turned it into an actual creature, um, uh, it is going to be friendly to you and your companions, uh, and you control what it does on its turns. But if, it, if the transformation becomes permanent, you concentrate for the whole hour and, and, and then it lasts until dispelled, uh, then you no longer control the creature. It basically then becomes an autonomous being. Okay. Uh, and this is, this, is, this is, again, why I talk about the spell being totally bonkazonks, because <laughs> talk about some wonderful kind of fairy tale magic. Like, you just created somebody yeah. or something. I mean, it's like a Pinocchio, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is deep in Disney lore, yes. I guess, at this point, well, right? And, and uh, it's one of the things I love about D&D magic is so much of D&D magic is meant uh, to echo things in fairy tales, uh, in comic books, in a lot of the wacky uh, science fiction and fantasy that Gary Gygax and Dave Honorson were reading from, you know, the 50s and 60s and 70s, yeah. uh, where all sorts of like, uh, transformations occur. And, and transformation in particular is a major factor in uh, many world mythologies. Mm. Um, this idea of being able to f- to connect with the cosmos around us by actually becoming something else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, heck, you know, one of the one of the great works of Greco-Roman mythology, Ovid's Metamorphoses. The entire thing is basically about shape changing. Yeah. Uh, and. And how many things in existence came into being by transforming from one thing into another. Right. Uh, so this this transformative element of magic, uh, its roots are not only deep in D and D, going all the way back to first edition, but it's really just deep in fantasy and mythology. Yeah. Uh, and and really, the game has to have it. Uh, I think some DMs probably sometimes. Or go, oh gosh! Right? Could, How am I going to? Do we have to have this in the game? Because it can be, it can be a headache, but it can be so wonderfully fun. It can be so fanciful, and rightly, a lot of players who've been inspired uh, by other stories uh, come to D and D, and they they want access to to this type of magic. And really, true polymorph represents the pinnacle of it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of people. I mean, even just now when I was talking about it, we're talking about the stories uh, uh, that could come from, from, from these kind of mechanics. And the dungeon master who is who's, uh, uh, reluctant, uh, I would say, like, use it, use it well in your, uh, uh, from, from the dungeon master side of things as far as storytelling goes, and then your players will follow suit. I mean, I think the danger comes when, you know, uh, uh, players try to use it to uh, min-max or find the, find the right way to, to be the most effective in battle. But that's, that's not the most exciting part about the spell. The exciting part is... As you said, like you just birthed something mm-hmm. that has no prior knowledge, and I had a an hour of 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 life before it became like I can do whatever I want. I'm like, what? That's a great story, yeah. you know? Or like, you know, even just you know, you mentioned uh, Obit's thing, but like I was thinking Franz Kafka, like mm-hmm. turning into a cockroach. Yep. You know, like that's an amazing thing that could only happen, uh, uh, you know, with this kind of a spell in a D and D story. And uh, you know, how interesting would that be if one of your players was just a thing that they didn't know that they were going to be a thing and yes. they have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah. uh, it, it's fascinating. I think a lot of people, you know, it's, it's underused in a, in a lot of games. Yeah. And, and again, I think sometimes people are a little like, oh boy, this is going to be complicated. Right. But particularly with polymorph and true polymorph, uh, 
and, and sorry for repeating this, it doesn't have to be that complicated if you just basically, if SDM, you say, all right, here's your stat block. This is now what you're playing. Yeah, right. Uh, now, there can be certainly a learning curve there because if it's a player who's never been a dungeon master before and is not accustomed to reading a monster stat block, you're suddenly like, oh, what right. is all this stuff? How does this all work? Yeah. Right. Luckily, especially with regular polymorph as opposed to true polymorph, uh, the beasts that you could be turned into are pretty simple mm -hmm. and don't have too many new abilities that, as a player, you're going to have to figure out. Right, because the CR level. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's true polymorph, you're able to go higher uh, in terms of the challenge rating. Right. Now, I want to talk briefly about shape change. Okay. Shape change is another Bonkazonk's <laughs> ninth level spell. So uh, much Bonkazonk. Yeah, in the ninth, once you get to ninth level, it's just basically. Spellcasting is shooting pistols in the air, you right. know, riding a missile. It's, it's, it's insanity. Yeah. Uh, so shape change, uh, you cast on yourself. Shape change is basically a super beefed up wild shape because like wild shape, shape change lets you keep some of your class abilities. So it's, it's the more complicated version of suddenly, ooh, I get, to, I get to be a little bit of the thing I'm turned into and a little bit of what I normally am. Mm -hmm. uh, shape change, though, unlike wild shape, is not tied specifically to beasts. So here, uh, you could use this to transform yourself into a dragon, for instance. Uh, now, shape change does not allow you to turn yourself into a construct or into an undead. Uh, you can't suddenly bamf be a vampire. But you can be a demon. But you could be a demon. Yeah. Uh, you could be a dragon. Uh, all sorts of wonderful things that uh, you could transform into. Uh, you have to have seen the thing at least once. So it's like wild shape in this way. You know, you ha it, it can't be something you've only heard about. You need to have seen this creature at, at least once before. What about a picture, a drawing, illustration? Does that count? Uh, I, I as DM would want you to see uh, the creature uh, if for no other reason that that can be a fun quest. Right. Uh, you can have, you know, your spellcaster. It's like, I, you know, I want to turn into a gold dragon. And as DM, it's like, fine, you're going to need to go find one. Right. What does that even mean? I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and, and you know, it's easy, to, it's easy to rationalize that part of the magic is it relies on you seeing the real creature. Right. Like somehow its essence, uh, you know, you're drawing on it in, in some way when you cast this spell. Would you ever rule that if they did it from an, an illustration or an imperfect you know, way of not seeing it themselves that they would get it wrong. Like it would be like a gold dragon, but it actually is a copper dragon or like I, it would have some of the abilities or some of the, the characteristics. But <clears throat> if someone really had seen a gold dragon, be like, that's not what it is. <laughs> so uh, it almost sounds like you've never played in my, in my D and D game at home, <laughs> but, but uh, it's almost like you, you know how I DM. So I love saying yes to pretty much almost anything players try. Uh, you know, because players sometimes will ask me, well, can I do X? And my response almost always is, well, you can try. Yeah. Uh, it, because I love as a DM coming up with what happens, uh, especially when people try things that are outrageous. Or I like having things that maybe the rules say are impossible, but a person does something that gets really close. I love doing things like what you described where, okay, it does work, but the results aren't what you expect. Right. Things are limited or changed. And right? Now, when I do that, and I do that sparingly because uh, I don't like to mess with my players. When I do that, uh, I almost 
always want to make sure they're still getting something fun in the mm-hmm. bargain. Like I don't want them just to kind of give them a, a poop sandwich. Right. <laughs> Here's crap. Deal with it, buddy. Yeah. Right. But something that still might be, it's not quite what they expected. It might not be as good as what they were looking for, uh, but still effective and amusing yeah. uh, where they can see, oh, gosh. I messed up. Or yeah. I should have said this. or yeah, right. right. And maybe I actually should have gone and seen that. The, the, the <laughs> actual creature. I should have done the quest to, <laughs> yes. to find the gold dragon. Yes. Right. Yeah, but because you didn't complete the quest, uh, you now get this bizarre version of, of the spell. Now, that, that, again, is entirely in the realm of DM adjudication because the, the spell itself says you've got to see it. Um, it. Now, there's still ways around that uh, because it doesn't say you have to see it. It doesn't say, for instance, at what distance you must see it. So I can imagine many high-level spellcasters, particularly if it's a dangerous creature they want to transform into, doing so through, say, a crystal ball. Right. Uh, or, or scrying. Yeah, yeah. Or scrying. Uh, at a nice safe distance. Yeah. You know, maybe uh, I don't want to get up cl- – I don't want to get close enough for – uh, that fiend I want to turn into to see me in return. Right. And so you that could also be a part of the fun, uh, and which I love to encourage as a DM, is just the players figuring out how are we going to catch a glimpse of this thing that would normally want to kill us and we're really not in the mood to fight it. Uh, how can we catch a glimpse uh, so that we can then transform into this thing? Makes sense. Uh, so shape change, uh, again... It, it has a lot of overlap in functionality with the other abilities we've talked about. You assume the hit points of whatever it is you've changed into, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a concentration spell. Uh, but again, like Wild Shape, it sparks many of the similar questions uh, that, uh, about class abilities and whatnot. So if people are wondering about that, my recommendation there is actually go listen to our Wild Shape podcast. Right. Um, uh, Which you can find on their website. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that really is sort of, those are the, the three biggies, polymorph, true polymorph, and shape change when it comes to our spells, uh, that, uh, transform you in some radical way. Uh, one, one other thing I'll, I'll bring up that, uh, that people will ask about related to these spells is, uh, polymorph and true polymorph, for instance, say you can't cast them on a shape changer. And people will often will wonder, what it, what's, well, what's a shape, a shape changer? changer? Right. So the idea is, and, and this, is, this is our intent with all of our rules, is we don't want you to ever have to guess about things. The idea is it's just it's a monster that has the shape changer tag. So uh, DMs are aware of this who are familiar with our stat blocks, but many of our players aren't aware of this, that if a monster is technically a shape changer, that fact appears in a little italicized line right under the monster's name mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, it, ta- it, it gives the monster size, its alignment, uh, its creature type. You know, it tells you if it's a humanoid, undead, uh, fey, what have you. Up in that same line, if the creature is technically a shape changer, that fact is noted there. Uh, so it's just that simple. Uh, yeah. if, if it's a shape changer up there, it's a shape changer and these spells won't work on it. Otherwise, uh, you know, go to town. That's also important for, you know, even the humanoid and that, that type of type to, to know which type of thing that you could change into based on some of the other stuff that we've talked about. Like exactly. dra- dragons can only do humanoids, for example. They can't shape change into a demon. They could shape change into, you know, elves or dwarves or anything that has that humanoid creature type. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and, and humanoid is actually a creature type that uh, that causes a lot of questions because it's an English word 
And so people will see it and, and, and think, oh, this word is referring to anything with a humanoid-shaped body because that's, that's really what the term means uh, mo- when it's most often used in English. Mm-hmm. But this is a case where the game has co-opted the term and included— Made it more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's included among the list of creature types in the game. And so uh, in d and uh, a, a creature is considered to be a humanoid only if the humanoid creature type appears up in its stat block. And then also all of the playable races in the game, uh, elves, dwarves, aracocra, humans, all of them are humanoid. Right. Um, that's one of the, yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's interesting because I guess things like doppelgangers are shape changers. You wouldn't be able to do that anyway, but you know, there are human shaped creatures who are well, not humanoids. Well, well, and so shape changer, I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up. Shape, shape changer is what we refer to as a subtype. So it's in parentheses next to something else. So you could actually be uh, both a humanoid and a shape changer. Right. Uh, uh, or a, a, you could be a celestial and a shape changer. Um, now it gets even trickier, actually, because not all of the monsters that have a change shape ability are shape changers. <laughs> uh, and so that's, again, why basically I'd say to DMs, don't worry about it. Just look for the tag. If it's there, it's a shape changer. If it's not, it's not. Uh, we made that distinction because there are certain creatures that transform themselves in the monster manual, but it's not because they're kind of a classic mythological shape-changing creature. It's because they have a magical ability, basically, almost like a spell that they're using to transform themselves. Okay. And if that's how they transform themselves, we don't classify them as a shape-changer. Whereas if it's if if it is a part of their basically like their physical form. Lycanthropes are a great example where they're, they are shape changers to the bone. Doppelgangers, another great example. Then that, that uh, tag goes up there. That, Makes sense. Like they are, you know, again, to their very essence, they are a shape changer. Whereas some other creatures, among the many different things they can do, they can also alter their form. Right, and you do want to limit what a, what a player could do in that situation. Well, and, and in many ways, those monsters are akin to player characters. For instance, a wizard who can suddenly uh, gains the ability to cast shape change, the wizard's creature type didn't just change, and now the wizard, you know, the wizard is not now a shape changer. Uh, uh, the wizard is still just whatever creature type the wizard was before, right. and, but can simply now cast this spell. Got it. Okay. Cool. I feel like we went through a lot of the uh, the exceptions and the story stuff, as well as uh, many of the questions that come up uh, about all these spells. Uh, but I'm sure there's more questions yes, out there. Yes, there always will be. Yes, indeed. Uh, and so, uh, if people have those some of those questions, where can they get in touch with you? Uh, the best place is on Twitter. Uh, I can be reached there at Jeremy E. Crawford. Awesome. Uh, and uh, I am at Greg Tito. You can't ask me anything about shape changing because I am a shape changer. <laughs> So you're all you're all screwed. Uh, but thank you so much. Uh, we will be back uh, with another segment uh, very soon. But uh, on with the interview. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. That was a really great segment. Wasn't that segment amazing? Did you feel like you learned a lot uh, from Chris, Matt, and or uh, Jeremy? I yeah, to my mind. Deal. <laughs> No, yes. I will never look at 5th edition the same way. It's true. It's like it was basically like a inception changing, reality changing type thing was happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was that like a wish spell was cast. 
Yeah. And now you have the knowledge in yes. your head. You just like gained like four levels because of your wish spell. Cheater, nice. Cheater spell. Uh, so I am here with uh, Todd Kenrick and Adam Bradford uh, from D&D Beyond. And uh, we are going to ask them all the fun questions about what it was like uh, to work together and how much uh, you di- uh, disliked each other like from the beginning. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> uh, I could lead on that completely. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, I met Adam actually at the stream of Annihilation, and um, I was perfectly happy as a clam in terms of like Dungeon Life was doing really well, yeah. and we we got like twenty thousand subscribers in like two months, which is not normal for YouTube, and people like were really positive, and the more, the longer the videos got, and the more in depth, the more happy everyone was, and I and I met Adam, and I w- I'm coming at it from this trying to teach people about D and D, by showing how much you guys care, everyone mm-hmm. at the D&D staff. Like, there is so much creativity and so much art- artistry and so much passion and ar- articulation about everything that these are the best people to learn D&D from. Then I meet Adam at the stream, and he shows me, like, the best character builder <laughs> ever. And he's like, oh, and you can search your spells and your monsters and all this stuff. And I always kind of cried because we've been hurt before. <laughs> True story. I a- and I, I, I'm a very improvisational DM and also player. Mm-hmm. And to suddenly have this tool set, I, I can really roll with the punches. I, I'll write pages and pages of stuff before we run a game. Mm-hmm. And then my players will destroy all of that. <laughs> and I love it. Like, we had this town, and and there's a green dragon who was, like, attacking the town. And their role was to save the town from the green dragon. But everyone was rude to them. And so they decided, nah. <laughs> We're going to leave this town, and we're going to let the green dragon take over. And that made me so happy when we, we went on a different adventure. And that, that's all because of improv and having those rules and those monsters and those spells, like, right there for you. And if you're an uh, improvisational kind of guy, that is a, such a great tool. And so it seemed like two halves of the same yeah. thing that we were trying to do. Nice. Yeah, it does feel like it. It, it uh, I, you don't have to remember stuff anymore in our age, right? Like, how many ph- phone numbers did, of your friends did you memorize when you were a kid growing up? Yeah, right? uh, I mean, all of them. All That's of them. the yeah. only way you could talk to them, yeah. right? Especially, and, you know, the ladies. You were <laughs> like, you had those just etched in your memory, right? They were like, um, the, even before speed dial, you had it. Like, oh, I can do this, like, in in, in very fast. Right. But we don't have that like uh, memory recall anymore because we can just use uh, uh, search engines and just be like, oh, we here's the all the information that we need right now. It's like immediately like, recall. And I feel like D and D Beyond did that finally for Dungeons and Dragons, where you know if you had a working knowledge of of the books. Jeremy Crawford does this all the time where I'll ask him a question and he'll be like, oh, and he like pulls out the book and he pulls to the exact page and he like recites what because he, he knows the index of where that is. And what D&D Beyond did is gave you Jeremy Crawford's index. You basically are able to be like, oh, I know exactly. As long as you know the search term or the way to get to where you need to go, it's, it's instantaneous. Yeah, right. D&D Beyond is kind of like we mapped Jeremy Crawford <laughs> and Mike Merles' brain. <laughs> and now it's searchable. Right. 3D print them and they're going to be <laughs> yeah, yeah. these constructs. Nice. Um, no, yeah, it, it, it really, when we were starting to make this, the very first part of the functionality that we put out was uh, what's in the compendium, these spell listings, monster listings. I was running a game in our office and it was just changing things there at the table. And we knew that we were on to something with that. And so uh, one of the reasons that as we went through the entire beta process, that went incredibly well, by the way. I almost want to clap for everybody. Um, we've had uh, 
We've had just uh, incredible participation. Uh, the community is extremely active. They're very passionate. They're very vocal, uh, and we actually appreciate that a great deal. But during the first phase of beta, we released that content because we knew all of those rules were the foundation for which mm. everything else was going to be built. And so we put that out early, and we got just literally thousands, if not a million. I, I can't remember how many posts we've gotten to. But um, just so many posts um, you know, helping us groom that to where it needs to be. And uh, then from that uh, firm foundation, we went uh, into, of course, all the character management, uh, some of the homebrew things that we've been able to do. Yeah. And that really is in the, the near future. That's the thing that we're going to keep doing is it's not going to uh, the, the process that we're going through is not going to change. We're going to continue to pay attention to that feedback. We've heard uh, very loud and clear what the community is looking for and uh, what can be better, uh, what what is good and what's working. So we're going to uh, continue to take that. We're going to continue to very actively respond to it. We're going to make this uh, tool set something uh, over time that that is going to be something that, that everyone that plays the game is going to want to take a look at. And the biggest part of that is that community and getting that feedback. So mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're, you know, terribly excited uh, about what that future is going to hold because we know this is uh, a starting point for us. And we know that um, the, the Dungeons and Dragons community is so passionate. And this game is something that we love so much that, that we want to see that uh, become, uh, you know, what we have envisioned it to be. How much, uh, how important was it to have the homebrew content be uh, a part of D&D Beyond? Because the reason I ask is because I think the the the, the fourth edition character builder, D&D Insider, was, was a great tool and people uh, uh, gravitated to that. Um, but it didn't have, you know, anything third party, anything that like people came up with in their home game. It just didn't support. And so, you know, there was this disconnect between what the community was doing and what uh, uh, was able to be supported. As, as we started out, we took that example and we saw, I keep hitting this microphone. I uh, use my hands too much. Everybody does. I do um, too. That's why I was like, I got to do this. Side. <laughs> I use my hands. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as we started out, we looked at uh, D&D Insider. I uh, played fourth edition. I, I had a, a DDI subscription. I remember that one of the limitations that frustrated me uh, very early on in that is, is hey, I can't uh, customize this. Dungeons & Dragons is a game that is structured make-believe, and so therefore people can come up with anything that they want to do. And so from the, the outset, we knew that allowing people to create homebrew content, that custom content that is, is going to be used just in their game, was going to be incredibly important. And of course, right now we allow for monsters and spells and magic items to be created. Mm-hmm. The things that we're working on, our, our team is kind of uh, taking two separate paths uh, for development uh, in the coming weeks here. And uh, one side of the team is focusing a great deal on uh, character sheet and builder improvements. And we've talked about that a lot in our forums. Uh, but the other side of the team is going to be focused on uh, allowing those other elements that are really important, like feats, backgrounds, um, subclasses, and, and races to be created as homebrew elements as well. Oh, cool. And then, of course, the other thing that's great about that is that after you create this incredible new type of elf that you want to uh, uh, use with your table and your party, you can then just turn around and share that with others. And so we're seeing this influx of creativity that's just absolutely incredible, things that 
uh, I go into the queues sometimes and just kind of look through what people are submitting uh, for that that public sharing. And I'm just amazed at the creativity in the community and how incredible it is that people can just come up with this stuff and that they're using this stuff at their tables and that now thousands of other people could potentially use that at their tables. I love that. I love that because it's kind of the, was a spirit of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. from the 70s was that like there were there was the Judges Guild and there were all these people who kind of came up, you know, making stuff, you know, even Ed Greenwood himself like adapted his his setting to be used with Dungeons and Dragons. It was just like, oh, creativity was happening everywhere. And then like some parts of it became uh, uh, part of official Dungeons and Dragons and some of it didn't, but some of it was, was official at your table. And that was, you know, we talked about this at the top of the show, like how that little shard of reality at your table is all that really matters. And I think D&D Beyond does a good job of of, uh, of serving those, uh, you know, all the different kinds of players out there. And that's the core of D&D, and that's, that's what fascinates me about it. Because with all these other different types of art forms, when you have, like, movies or sculpture or paintings uh, or, or in writing, uh, what's great about D&D is, like, you have all these people who are, like, creating rules, creating the art, creating great stories, you know, Chris Perkins and Mike Merles and Jeremy Crawford, and, uh, you know, Sean Wood and Richard Witters, this, this great team of people. Mm-hmm. And they put all this effort after years into a product. And then at the end of the day, they just hand it off to you to add the final and most important element. That's the most unique art form I can ever think of. Yeah. Because that, that's just that shared storytelling and that you're building this from the ground up with the idea of bringing someone else to tell their own story. Like every D&D book, every, every person has said, these are the rules that we've set forth. These are the monsters. These are the spells. But this is, this is your game. Mm-hmm. So do what you want to yeah. make it fun. If there's a rule you want to ignore, it's fine. This is your game. This, you own D&D. Yeah. And and that's a lot about homebrew, and, and that's just what makes this game. This is why I get so passionate about the game. Yeah, this is like the ultimate art form for me. Because <laughs> you're not. I mean, we talk a lot about players and DMs and how you know they, they they share different responsibilities. But in some ways, everybody who plays Dungeons and Dragons is a game designer. Yeah, is someone who 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 brings forth their own imagination, their own reality. You know, just reading the books is one thing, but actually experiencing the the storytelling around the table, it's it's a very unique experience. You can't get it really anywhere else where there's where there's minds melding in front of you and you know, I want to have like a visual <laughs> of like whoosh, whoosh, this kind of right rainbows. Yeah. But but like rainbows. you know with <laughs> is the same way and Stream of Annihilation is the same way. When you get to see your friends, like I don't get to see Holly all the time, but you like Holly comes up and her Strix costume is insane. Yeah. Like down to the slightest detail and she inspires me to make a want to make try to make a costume as not I can't make one as good as hers, but like I want to make my character's But it, it would be as as you as hers is, you know what I mean? Like you would add your your yeah, flavor yeah, and course. your imagination and your funk to it. But like everyone's doing their own thing and yeah. and, and, and funk? it's so great. I, yeah. okay. I've got well, I, so much funk. I assume <laughs> Strix has a, a trash wish kind of you know, yeah. f- flavor I, I to it. She has funk, but um, I'll, I'll have a uh, funk warlock. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. Actually, Greg knows a character idea. It's going to be pretty I know. Upsetting. I love that Horizon Walker idea. The Horizon Walker, and I've got a you know, crazy guy. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's not, um, you know, I won't act like it has been an easy thing to develop 
this digital tool set around all of these thousands and thousands of, of corner rules cases that and, will and always arise. Exceptions and, and, and all these things that happen. Yeah. But on top of that, we kind of want to give that to the community and allow them to create things with it. So that that's difficult as well. But it's a path we want to take and we're going to continue to take that because that is what Dungeons and Dragons is. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's really important to us and uh, that we allow people to have that control over their experience at the table. Neat, neat. Now, we talked a lot about your background of, of playing the game last time you were on, but I don't think, Todd, we've ever really heard from you as far as when you started playing. Oh, my God. This is where the where the interviewer becomes the interviewee. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. I like, <laughs> as you know, it's like when my intros we to videos are very camera minimalist. right here if you, you yeah, want we'll, a we'll pretend yeah, that you're behind the camera right now, and that might make it feel a little bit better. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, yeah, when did you start playing, and why did you start playing? I started playing, I, man, I was one of those kids who just didn't talk, and I imagined all the time. And then my brother started bringing back the original D&D monsters, I mean, modules. Uh, and uh, I mean, like all barrier peaks, like we were like up in it. We were like super hardcore and I, and we didn't have a lot of people to play with. Mm-hmm. And back then you make a character, it died uh, because <laughs> that's how hardcore it was. Yeah. Uh, but I read every module over and over again and the monster manuals and the fiend folio, I read them over and over and they would create stories in my mind and that artwork. And then like third edition with, you know, Elmore's art and, and stuff like that, that, it, it meant so much to me because I was always writing my own stories and like even like novel size stories as a kid. And it became like this great infrastructure for to teach me how to kind of get into this aspirational, I want to be a Tolkien type writer. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 that level of inspiration, especially when you live in the middle of nowhere, right? And, and, and you'd have a hard time. Where did you grow up again? I, <laughs> outside of a town on a farm. Uh, of a town of like two thousand people, so like I am out in the woods, <laughs> oh <my laughs> but God. but it gave me this great imagination. And yeah, that's probably yeah it, it, contributed to it, the it fact was, that you're like, oh, my, I could go on these adventures. I, I could like, go into the mountains. I didn't like cartoons. I love D and D. Interesting. And, and I was I like the D and D. What about the? Yeah, I was just gonna, yeah, you could, <laughs> had to like that. But so that was really important to my brother and I, and we get excited, and you know that was always a birth birthday gift. I'll never forget him. He got me the Tomb of Annihilation, which the Wild Mage shows up for the first time. And I was... I mean, no, the, not uh, the tomb of magic. No, he ran me in the tomb. <laughs> he ran me in the tomb of uh, horrors. horrors. Yeah, that was a rough day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the tomb of magic had the uh, tomb of that, magic had yeah. the wild mage and wild magic, and it, like and all the players' handbooks for like elves and stuff like that. It was just D and D was just so magical to my childhood and growing up, and it never left me. And it clearly had a, a massive cultural impact. But anyways, fast forward. I'm, I'm talking for a very long time. This is why it's good to, I, you need to be, you know, I your story must be told. When I go to bed, my wife knows this, I daydream every night until I fall asleep. And it will be about my character yeah. or something I'm going to be running for our group or live streaming ideas. Right. And the D&D is just a fundamental part of that. Because you it, went into, uh, well, so we, I, I'm sorry if I'm, yeah, but you, you, you were in video games for a while where you're doing reporting yeah, for I that. The, I was the editor-in-chief at NBC for all their video game coverage, and I had an on-camera show called In Game, and we were really popular at the time, and I got to cover video games, but... Um, <laughs> was that like 90s to Not 2000s? 90s. It was about seven years ago. Okay. This is like when G4 was around too, and we were kind of like partners okay. and, and all that stuff. Uh, but I kept on wanting to do a D&D show right. so badly, and I talked to Jerry Holkins about it. 
But NBC was like, you're lucky to even have a staff covering <laughs> video games and mainstream media. Right. Let's, let's uh, not go overboard. And you have your own show so right. and a studio. So, like, <laughs> you slow your roll or whatever you want. Like, right. calm down. <laughs> whatever uh, was appropriate in, yeah, yeah, in 2010. Yeah. I, I had pushed all the edges. Uh, <laughs> and, and that was really fun. But I really wanted to do the D&D show. And it, it didn't happen. But then I got the opportunity, a, you know. Last year, yeah, I came in to interview guys. And I didn't know what was going to happen, right? And I talked to you guys, and I'm not blowing smoke about anyone's butts. I met Chris Perkins, and I'm like, oh my god, this is my person, uh, <laughs> because he's instantly like, uh, one of the best lines he gives is, that "There's two reasons D and D is doing really well, and none of them are me." <laughs> <laughs> and he's so self-effacing. Yeah, he's so he just wants to make stories, and he has so much passion for the game. And he has such a good heart, and he's just an artist. And everyone is like that. Like, I love talking to Mike Merles about hex blades and the mechanics, and like Jeremy Crawford can go like talking to him about Arcane Archer and why something is successful and not. Mm-hmm. And having these conversations were gold to me. And there were I realized this is what I wanted when I was five or eight years old. Right. I wanted to see videos of the people who are making D and D. Talk about what they love. And when you see how much they love it, you get it. Yeah. It's the second closest th- best thing. And the best thing is playing D&D to learn D&D. But watching any of these guys talk about it, you just get it. You, like, understand. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I love doing it. And maybe it's a, just a big, fat excuse for me to hang out with Chris Perkins and Mike Merles and Jeremy Crawford and Liz and all of you guys and you and uh, you know, and sh- but Shelly screw that Shelly yeah, yeah, and Shelly about her uh, yeah <laughs> Shelly and I will talk about Avalon Hill I don't get to see Shelly that much right, right. but she like, just ditches at the last minute right because she's got important meetings to take care but of. it's scary too because when you when you're faced with that much passion and people who are so well spoken and care about the community so much and take it like to heart yeah. Uh, I have to meet all of that halfway in terms of quality, and that <laughs> that can be uh, scary. Yeah, but it's, that's my that's my job. Like I have to, I, I want to bring the best out of all of them and give them an opportunity to talk. And I love the the integration because I wouldn't have put two of these two together. It was Adam, you were the the, the genius behind the idea of uh, taking what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's give let's call it, yeah, all right, let's call it what it is. I mean, I'm, I didn't say genius, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it, but no. but like I mean, what Todd was doing with Dungeon Life and D and D Beyond, I wouldn't have put those two together because well, it's like, oh, these are digital tools, you know, made to help your your tabletop game with things that are about the tabletop game, and then putting them together actually. It makes perfect sense. Well, and the reason that we have gone down this path is in my own story with World of Warcraft. And I remember I would unfortunately have to go like work a job during the day back yeah. when I played World of Warcraft. I, I would have preferred to stay at home and just play World of Warcraft <laughs> or, or, or whatever the game was. There, there have been others. But um, with that, I would play the game itself, but no game can be played. 24 hours a day or 16 hours a day or however much you're awake for that day. But I remember I would be at work. Don't tell my former employers. Um, (laughs) But I would be at work and I would be on websites looking at things that have to do with World of Warcraft. I would be uh, browsing the armory and and dreaming things about my character. I would be uh, trying to find videos about, uh, you know, Ghost Crawler back in those days and all all these folks, uh, you know, saying things about that game that I love so much. Mm -hmm. And of course, I wasn't really doing this for Dungeons and Dragons because that kind of content just didn't really exist. Exist, yeah. uh, you know, several years ago. And 
what is happening now with Dungeons and Dragons and all the content that you guys are producing like this right here uh, on, on the Twitch channel, uh, everywhere else, things like podcasts of Annihilation happening, all of these things help people to live in that world of D&D even mm-hmm. when they're not playing D&D. And, and that's, it's, it's just such an important thing uh, that helps people, especially people that just have it on their mind all the time, it gives them that outlet to be able to do that. And so that's what we want to do for D&D Beyond. We want people to be able to use the tool set between sessions, prepping for those sessions. We want them to be able to use it at the table. We want them to be able to use it when they're in the supermarket and someone is arguing with them. I don't know who this someone would be, but would argue with them about what, you know, uh, DC, uh, you know, uh, what type of save a fireball is. You know, they can look it up like Gosh. right on the fly. You if know? I had a nickel, it, it happens all that. the time. It happens <laughs> all the time to me. Now, Every uh, time a cashier has tried to say it was a D8 and not a D12. That's exactly right. So you can find that on the fly, but you can also, as you're sitting there in the supermarket and you're waiting on your wife to finally get done with whatever is being bought. Um, you can you can watch one of those videos that, that we're creating and, and that Todd is, you know, pouring his heart into. And I, I think that's the thing that... That's that's your audience that you're going for is guys bored waiting. It's the opposite. It's my wife watching the videos waiting for me to get done making a decision to buy something. <laughs> She's researching her warlock and her sorcerer class. Nice. And also, like, thinking about the commissioned artwork she wants to do. Right. So. Well, I'm glad you mentioned because I I was that fan of you know video games and the and the aughts when I had the the day jobs and things that were like that. Yeah, that's all I did. I I, I was a, a huge forumite before World of Warcraft even came out. I remember that's what I did. And I remember I actually even got in trouble with one of my former employers because they're like, he's just playing games. And I think I'm like, no, I mean, no, I am reading about games. Reading about games. Yeah, there's a really key difference. Big difference. I here. mean, did Nathan know about this before they hired you? Th- that's how you uh, this was this time, this or? was this was when I was with the Rothschilds. Oh, okay, uh, uh, an actual real company uh, <laughs> who did real stuff, uh, uh, but uh, but also inspired many D and D stories in my brain. So uh, uh, you know, I, I can't I can't. But, forget but it's it. good to get paid for what you love. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I also, I mean, I can tell them now because it's many years. But I also wrote lots of uh, uh, fourth edition D and D material uh, as well as video game articles while I was employed at somewhere else. I also filled time writing uh, and creating, and then th- that slowly became where I am today. <laughs> I, I'm coming at this from the other place of like. I was doing this for free, <laughs> and then I got hired to do it, well, that, yeah. which is great. It's like, uh, we'll pay you to do this. I'm like, cool, because <laughs> I would still be doing this, as Greg knows. That's true. <laughs> like, I would just do this uh, and you, eat Cheerios for the rest of my you life. You found your niche pretty quick when you were like, I want to interview uh, uh, this team uh, specifically because of, of, of I mean, we, oh, we also man. came from the like, video I game world I, where yeah, it was hard, honestly, to, like, hard to pick a real story out of, um, uh, some people you interview sometimes, and, oh, and, yeah. uh, and you're right about the D and D dance. Why I love working here as well is because they'll just tell you stories about how it was designed, how this worked, why they chose this and not. Uh, very unprompted and very honestly, and that's it, that's it, really refreshing. It's not always marketing speech, right? It's, and it's so never, you, you as far as I can yeah, tell. And, and that's yeah. that's the thing that we're really going for. Um, even as uh, we hired Todd and we started talking about what this was, some of the people that heard this was happening started thinking. Well, this is going to become some kind of marketing engine for D&D Beyond. That, that's not what we're interested in at all. We yeah. want to tell the story of D&D, and we want to uh, be uh, you know, this trusted third party that is telling this story that people can come and, and really you know, tune into that and, and see what happens. We're living in an exciting time, especially if you like Dungeons & Dragons. This is an incredible time to be alive. Uh, it, it's just 
so much steam is behind what's going on with D&D. It's becoming this uh, true phenomenon in mm-hmm. the culture. And we just want to kind of document that and, and show that and, yeah. and highlight that and let people come to that and see how incredible it is. And uh, again, like it's, you know, a big part of that is they can they can hang out. It's a destination there on D&D Beyond that whether they're playing or prepping for a session or if they're just wanting to be connected to D&D in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had conversations, too. I don't don't know why I always go back to this stupid analogy in my brain, but like. Woodstock, the Woodstock co- concert, nobody really would have kno- I mean, known about it or had the cultural impact if there wasn't a documentary about it, if there wasn't something that showed what it was like to be there and, and talk to the people who were, were in that situation as well as the performers and the and things. And I feel like... That's my job. That's what you're doing, yeah. You're, you're documenting what it's like to be to be in the room, to be, to be talking... Woodstock for D&D. Yeah, I like yeah. Exactly. I, I just love connecting with those guys. And they've. Um, I'm glad I'm not a journalist anymore because they quickly became family, uh, at least friends. <laughs> Maybe some of wow. them are family. I, I don't know, Todd. That might no, be no, no. blood blood brothers. A lot of them are friends. Some of them are families. Sisters. They don't they don't know it yet. <laughs> Mike no. didn't act like a family earlier when he was killing your character. My character is not dead. He's oh, unconscious. He dead. Okay. okay. Uh, first off, no. Yeah, no. He's gonna be okay. Hey, I, th- uh, I think Nathan's in the chat using the D and D handle. Oh, I see you. I see you, Nathan. <laughs> and I do use. I have used that analogy to you before. Dang it. Uh, um, but but. I, I know some people have asked, uh, just in the Twitch thing, people are, like, wondering where Dungeon Life is going, and Dungeon Life is now basically on D&D Beyond. So, like, all that content you saw me working on uh, for so many months so passionately, that format's not changing in any way. It's just going to be on D&D Beyond, and I just wanted... I thought it was the best thing for us to put it all in one location. So, as you can go ahead and see on dndbeyond.com, those videos are exactly the same feeling. And I'm going to expand on that. Like we're we're tackling Shadowfell and alignment and the Feywild and and the D and D multiverse and and not only that, just asking Chris like what does he get excited for and mm-hmm. like Mike Merles and 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 talking to people like Holly Conrad, who's like my favorite person because I have like a ten year career with her interviewing her and right. and watching her career path and and people like Anna Prosser who have like great advice from Dice Camera Action. Dice Camera Action is one of my favorite shows because it really is just a group of friends goofing off and having fun. Um, these people are invaluable to talk about and they're like great ambassadors to like drawing people in to understand like you don't have to be afraid to play D&D. Yeah. Like I get that anxiety. Just do it and you will like suddenly see the magic of it. I we- think that when you were talking about it being like a special time for Dungeons and Dragons is because, you know, there were all of these roadblocks up for you wanting to play, even from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s, where it was like, you know, the the, the, the social stigma that you could potentially get. There was the difficulty in really understanding the rules or, or knowing how to build your character yeah. and things like that. And then now with 5th edition, I feel like we're removing a lot of these roadblocks to just, you know, get exactly to the core of uh, telling imaginative stories with your friends. Uh, around a table or, or, or uh, you know, around a, the virtual table, as it were. And uh, uh, you guys are a part of that. The streaming is a part of that. I think, you know, the, the documenting, the, the story is a part of that. And uh, it's you're right. It is very exciting. Well, not I mean, not to rehash. I, I think Mike uh, said in an interview that I read not too long ago, yeah. the baseball analogy, since you like baseball so much, Greg. Um, but, I mean, seriously, if you handed someone a baseball rule book, and oh, told them to just go play baseball, 
it's going to be incredibly difficult. I'd, I'd be really interested to, to if someone in the world didn't know about baseball, we could do that and we could run an experiment and see what that looked like because it wouldn't be what we see as baseball. Yeah. And so that was a problem that Dungeons and Dragons had for a long time is it's just hard to take something that you can't see and then translate that into something that you're doing. And so with all of the live streaming and everything that's happened there, uh, and the podcast and everything else that uh, where people can actually observe others playing this game. That's how I really learned to play Dungeons and Dragons. That's how I learned to DM as I, I went down to the friendly local gaming store and we crawled up to the not very hygiene, uh, you know, hygienic place like up in the, the <laughs> attic where, wherever they they played weekly. It was you know? a dungeon. Yeah, it it was, was, there was sure cobwebs. It was a, and yeah, it was it was something. But some um, riders you know, in the corner crawling up there and uh, you know getting past the you know unique smells and everything. That, that would accompany that. I, I just watched people play for, for the longest time and, and then, you know, jumped in and started playing. And that's how you really learn. And now we just have that uh, roadblock, like you said, it's just removed and yeah. people can see that in such a, a simple and easy way uh, that it, it's been a really good thing for the game. Nice. Um, so, uh, you know, with D&D Beyond out there in the wild, uh, uh, what do you say to folks who may already have their D&D books or, 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 you know, like creating pen and paper, uh, uh, actual character sheets, you know, wh- wh- what about them? I, um, I, I'll go on record right here and say that I love the books themselves. I have stacks and stacks of every book on my desk uh, at my office, I think I have other copies at home that are on on uh, <laughs> on uh, a shelf somewhere. But I, I love those books. I'm going to continue to get those books. I'm going to thumb through them. I I, I like the look and feel. I think what D and D Beyond is doing is is sure we're offering books. Uh, you can get these books in a digital format. But it goes, oh, man, am I going to use a beyond pun right here? It goes beyond that um, into um, it's going to just allow you to not only create characters, use that character at the table. I was using a a character earlier, uh, some kind of Yuan-Ti wizard in Mike's game, and I stayed alive while Todd did not. Um, but um, or because he I stayed back conscious. way in the back like a glass cannon only without Except the cannon part. Except I killed part. everything too. Uh, <laughs> but in, any, anyway, so how it went down. so ultimately, uh, you know, playing with that character uh, builder in the sheet it, during uh, an actual game is one thing, but preparing your sessions in between games, even with books, if you like the physical books and, and you want that look and feel. It's just incredibly valuable to have that with you at the table to be able to look something up very, very quickly. So I think that uh, I don't envision a world where these books are going to go away. Like I, I think people are going to continue to like these books and, and want these books. Mm. But D&D Beyond is for those players who are wanting that convenience and, and to be able to do things easier. I've got a, a 12-year-old son that plays D&D. And he can already type faster than I can. He can uh, he can absolutely destroy me on Overwatch. Um, you know, uh, this is this technology is something that he is just growing up in, and it mm-hmm. is complete second nature to him. He is going to be able to find a spell on D and D Beyond so much faster than he's going to find it in a book. And you do have Jeremy, and you have uh, you know, in general, I can flip to the the right page. You know, uh, typically when I'm at the table, but. Um, but I, I think there's really something for everyone here, and I think that's what's great about the hobby at this point in time and, and the game uh, where we are. There are so many options of how you right. can play, and we just think that D&D Beyond is a way for you to play the game 
Uh, if if you want to use that technology at your table, it's it's a perfect outlet for you to be able to do that. Yeah, it's, it's a great instrument to play music, basically. Like like if you mm. want to think of that in terms of an analogy, yeah, this is the podcast there's a, of analogies today. Wow. Sorry, yeah. but there's oh, yeah. a lot of different ways that you can make music, and this is one of those ways. And that's the way I like to to play my D and D. Yeah, like quick, fast, improvisational, and my players are nightmares to like. I don't even try to steer them, and I love it. That makes me excited because me writing a story at home is boring. Right. Them writing a story with me is the best experience. It also like just melts my brain after five hours. <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh, you're never more tired than after dungeon no, mastering. You don't even know. You don't even know what happens sometimes. Like I, I talked to Terry Holkins, and he's like, sometimes I don't even know. I don't even remember the last five hours. <laughs> it's a complete blur. <laughs> I mean, is that because of D and D or some well, other that's reason? D&D. There's some <laughs> other. There must be some other reasons. No, uh, the Mike and Ed spores was getting into him. Uh, I don't. I don't want to catch a lot, but like. I have to thank everybody who's been helpful for uh, getting Dungeon Life where it was and then getting me to D&D Beyond and introducing me to Adam, like Anna Prosser, Holly Conrad, Danny Hartel, uh, uh, Jerry Holkins, the entire cast of the C team, all of you guys who gave me a chance to interview you guys, Mike Merles and Jerry Crawford and Richard Witters. You guys have all been really amazing and given me fantastic advice. And Matthew Mercer, of course, mm-hmm. and the entire cast of... Uh, uh, they're they're all such giving people in the D and D community, and if you ask them for advice, they will give it to you in the most honest way. Like Talson Jaffe and all those guys, Liam. I don't know. I, it's just shocking. Sorry, I'm listing a lot of names, but <laughs> but this is like an Oscar speech. Hey, just, no, no, it's, yeah, it's a right horrible there, Oscar like, speech, but it's just like. <laughs> I'm, I was never, like, I've been a journalist for, like, 20 years. I was not prepared to be confronted with this many with ton- genuine people. Actual emotion of, of people who, like, actually care and are yeah. empathetic to, to I others. I was kind of a jaded video game journalist for 10 years, and then you're <laughs> just like, oh, everyone's nice. I think I'd- a big part of that, too, is one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit. I keep hitting a microphone. It's all right. Um, we, we've talked about a great deal that we want to highlight these creators. We want to highlight uh, these uh, you know, prominent people in the community that are, are doing things on live streams and, and elsewhere. We also want to take the opportunity as we go to conventions uh, you know, in 2018 and looking forward to that. We want to uh, take a side where we're able to others in the community, people that are just showing up to a convention to play an Adventures League game. We're really looking forward to being able to get the thoughts of the the community as a whole as well, so we we really are trying to, you know, take this really wide stroke on yeah. this is D and D, and we want to show that um, to to others. So we're really excited. Uh, if you see us at conventions, uh, you know, in the next several months, we we might say, hey, what you're doing here is really really nice. Let, do you mind talking to us for a little while? So we're we're looking forward to that as well. Nice, and we're I mean, you know, we had a. Uh, uh, Mark Holmes from uh, Yogg's cast and Uncharted Territory uh, uh, that they're doing with High Rollers uh, from the UK and, of course, the Dragon Friends from Australia. But we're thinking about expanding beyond, you know, D&D beyond, beyond uh, you know, the, the, the borders uh, and making this truly worldwide. I know we have, like, a, a, a international translations coming down the pipe from Gale Force 9. Right. Um, and I'm sure there's some ways, well, those will interact with, with uh, yes. uh, D&D beyond uh, in the future. Nothing to... 
super announced right there, but yeah, like, you know, no, there, no, there's no ways that things may yeah. happen. Um, but then also events. I mean, I think we're open to going to, to all over the place. I know uh, Jeremy Crawford goes to Luca in Italy, uh, as well as lots of other areas. I want to go to that. Areas. I want to know. I, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is me just saying I want to go uh, <laughs> to that, a, too. It's a beautiful city, and, and they do, like, hardcore cosplay there and oh, everything God. else, and it's, yeah, yeah. It sounds amazing. Uh, but I love that idea that, like, Curses now can 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 uh, show D&D beyond all these places, not just in the continental United States, but all over the world, and people can jump in and figure out how to how to how to play, absolutely, you know, and make it yeah, as easy it, as possible. This is like, and it's, not, it's something I try not to think about, especially with us. Uh, <laughs> but but because um, you have to get on a long plane ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am terrified that. of planes, and I'm claustrophobic. So uh, so anywhere by train so that you can medication. go, your trains. Trains are okay. Trains are okay. Sometimes being interviewed is really claustrophobic. I mean, how, does that, how does that cost? Like, you know, could could I get you on a train to come to Huntsville, that Alabama? That's a long or? time. That's yeah. a long train. But think of all of the ride. work editing videos he could do oh, uh, on the way. I think you We're should. You're really good laptop now. <laughs> Trying to get me into trouble, <laughs> but we're going to send you to Australia. But you have to go through the Bering Strait, and they then make <laughs> a tunnel like under the sea, like oh, that will yeah. get you there or something. Oh yeah, that I'll won't take, be claustrophobic or weird. I don't know. I think a sea tunnel will make me feel at home. Submarine, <laughs> like comes some kind of Cthulhu weird way. <laughs> uh, but what's really impressive, and I think everyone who makes D and D is aware of this, but like. 40 years ago, more than 40 years ago, D&D got made. And now look at all the people who are Dungeon Masters who are making content today. Mm-hmm. Everyone on Game of Thrones, like the, the, the showrunners were DMs. Uh, several, several of the writers were Dungeon Masters. You, you obviously shows. have Vin Diesel and all these other actors. And we have a lot of actors who don't still talk about it, who are famous, that play d and I believe some people at Blur Studio. And, and when you look at the power and influence that happened 40 years ago, yeah. what we do now... With fifth edition, what the people we invite to play D and D, and how we talk to them, and how we invite them into the game, in the most honest way, will affect pop culture for forty more years. Right, and we have to keep in mind like what, how can we keep that going, and what kind of art is going to be made because of this massive swell towards D and D right now. And I think I know that's a very grand and grandiose way of looking at it, but it's a very true way. Mm-hmm. And forty years from now, we'll look back at this moment with fifth edition and everyone who worked on D anD D, and we're going to be like, we contributed to that, and the community did too. And that's going to be, I think, something really amazing. Man, that's pretty profound. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't think about great power comes great responsibility. I just thought we were doing a silly podcast here, but <laughs> apparently. <laughs> We're shaping lives. I mean, we can make it. We can make it silly. You want me to pick you up in there? <laughs> Do some body slamming. I can carry it an unusual amount of weight. So oh. <laughs> your encumbrance level is very high. It's really high. It's that farm boy crap. Nice. It's all that stump digging. Oh right, stump, stump digging. Twenty five <laughs> cents. My parents paid me twenty five cents per stump. Dude, D- that's a lot rich. of work. Yeah, I didn't get rich. I know it's crazy. Uh, there's not a lot of work in well, I mean, at least got. you got paid. My kids have to do that kind of did, stuff for free. Did you have five acres? <laughs> They're like, here, you can play D&D Beyond a little bit for an hour. And then, That's you know, your reward. The biggest inspiration is, like, my wife learning D&D and getting excited about D&D. I, like, she tells me exactly what video I should make. Like, I see, like, explain, because I've been in it for so long. Yeah. And then she's learning it, and she's asking all the right questions that I would never ask. Like, I'm just kind of... Almost dumb, right? Because I've been playing D and D since. Well, you can be too close to it. You can be just yeah, so much into it that home. you're like, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to find that interesting. And yeah. like, you know, I mean, me, I only came in here about you know two and a half years ago, and that was about the same thing too. Where I was like, you guys should be doing this. You should be doing this. And I think a lot of people were like, 
oh, okay, I guess, yeah. right? And so, yeah, there's there's a part of that where fresh perspective is is very important. Oh, I think we're getting so a key. lot of that now because we have so many new people who are playing for the first time, picking up that player's handbook for the first time. And you're right, infusing their own ideas and their own personalities and their own imagination into it. And uh, who knows where that's going to be. Even in five years, it's really hard to, to predict. Yeah, no, it's been fantastic. I love, like, my group alone, I love all of them. We have one person who's super hardcore, one person who's completely new, one person's kind of in the fence. And, like, seeing them evolve Are and learn about the Are they on the fence or in the fence? I want them no, to be no. a part like, of the fence. The, They'll maybe the be fence part of the fence. Kinda... It's a... It's a it's, they got whitewashed in. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, watching their different, you know, different ways that they're learning D&D and what they're gravitating towards helps me sculpt the videos. Like, talking about the Shadowfell and the Feywild and giving you, like, a structure of what the Forgotten Realms is. I know it. But, like, so much has changed. Yeah. Got to bring that together. It's true. Create a cinematic universe for everybody. And that's, I mean, uh, the childlike awe that people have around what Dungeons & Dragons is and what the lore is 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 something that uh, I wish more adults could cue themselves into. You know what I mean? Because uh, that's that that imagination, that sense of play is, I mean, I don't know, you're a parent. You've met other parents who are not quite so... Uh, uh, imaginative or gamer-like, and <laughs> isn't there like a little? There's like a little light lost between their I mean, eyes. They don't have that sparkle anymore. You know, not to be overly dramatic, but the world would be a better place. Like, it would just just straight up. The world would be a better place. And uh, and I, I think uh, one of the first times I, I talked to um, uh, Chris Perkins, he had mentioned something about that word wonder, and and it's just a really important word. And I, I think that. That's what this game deals in mm-hmm. more than anything. I, I, you know, when uh, some of the groups I've played with uh, over the last couple of decades have lost that sense of wonder, and it's become uh, a little bit of a chore to play. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. with, with with that. But I think that where D and D is now, and where so many of these players are, I, I don't know if it's entirely because of the influx of all these new players or or, or what it is, but. Wonder is something that it just makes the game so much better, and it's the thing that once you get it, and once you play a D&D game that just clicks for you, you're, you're going to just immediately recognize there's no other game that can really top this. You can't play a board game or a video game that can make you feel the way that this does. And it's yeah. that one-on-one connection. Again, you're, you're unplugging. It's uh, and I love video games, but with D and D, you're unplugging, you're looking at each other, you're you're making a connection with your friends, you're together, you're laughing, you're having fun, and you're mm-hmm. telling a story, and you can't replace that. And there's so many different ways that helps people. Yeah. Like it, for people who have social anxiety, it provides them a structure to explore that and like maybe kind of you know not not heal. I don't think heal is the right word, but like it 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 gets you used to a group and talking to people on a regular basis mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I've known people with PTSD who playing D&D has helped them. Not only because it's an escape, but it's also it's giving you a context with structure again. Yeah. When something like that happens, I suffered from PTSD a long time ago and D&D hanging out with my friends playing D&D honestly helped me because it just got me to just have fun, imagine a really cool world, and that helped me significantly. Yeah, right. And it's helped a lot of other people I know. 
Yeah, and we've talked to uh, uh, people on here on the podcast, Wheelhouse Workshop and uh, Dr. Bukamatsa and his work with Take This. And I, every day I get more uh, uh, people saying other things in other ways. And it's I, I love the, the delicious irony of uh, uh, being a child of the 80s and having my parents not want me to play for all these reasons. They're like, you're going to not have any friends. And <laughs> and and you're, you're casting spells and they'll call. And, and I'm like, no, all right, that's not happening and no at all. Career. And no career. And no career. And no career. There's not, not like there's a money in it or anything. And you're like, oh. Uh, I proved all of you guys wrong. And, and there's, there's not a ton of money in it. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, come on, we're rolling in it over here. What do you yeah, think? yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we're eating. <laughs> but I mean, and and I, I want going back to what you said about wonder and and uh, uh, the helpfulness that can come from the game. And just circling it all back, like removing the roadblocks to play is one thing, but then also that what I like that does is it zeroes in on what makes the game fun like it zeroes in on the wonder and and the imagination and the storytelling and it removes all the parts of like oh wait what was that spell uh, you know like what's the range on that oh no you can't do like you know like changing getting all the mechanical stuff out of the way so that the uh, adventure can happen now, obviously the mechanical stuff is important it is. And, it, and it creates a framework of reality would mad at you if you said that it wasn't <laughs> but um but no but no. even he would say that like yeah, yeah it, it's all it about is. at the table and the, and the cool factor of what's it, happening it is really important and of course that's what uh, that's been our driving force behind D D beyond the entire time right. is that it's a convenience. We, we want to we want to mitigate or remove the negative aspects and impacts of the rules and then let you know the the good parts the positive parts of the rule shine through right. where the focus really can be on that imaginative interactive storytelling uh, that cooperation between people trying to overcome something like we were earlier and I lived through. So, um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing, like, honestly, like a lot of people ask me, like, why did I take the job at D&D Beyond? And it was 100% Adam because I met someone else who you cared. You are a genius. Easy, easy now. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I met somebody who honestly care, cared about the game as obsessively and as much as I do and was working as hard on it as I, I did. And he just got it. And then I was like, of course, I want to work with Adam. And uh, I am very picky. I am not known for praise, except for apparently on this podcast. You've been very effusive with I your mean, praise. But, uh, but uh, kind of don't worry. Yeah, when you, no, it's when a, you meet me in person, yeah. There was something in the water that Nathan gave you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, Nathan, I love you. No, uh, <laughs> no. no uh, but but seriously, potion. like I met Adam, and I'm like, he gets it. He, he knows what this needs to be and what it's going to become. And he has a plan and a vision for that and how it's going to affect how we play video games and make D&D better. Yeah. And that made me excited. And, and the fact that he's just like, you never have a boss tell you this. Uh, yo, i just like to hire you and just do what you were doing. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, sold. <laughs> like, how do you Done like, and done. I will keep doing. I'm my own worst boss, though, and I think he's already clued into this. Like... I am way harder on myself than anyone else is going to be. <laughs> so, you're, you're a rough, uh, rough dungeon master for yourself. Uh, yeah, I am the worst dungeon master. I am, <laughs> I am, I am stuck in the tomb of annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> you have the death curse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got all the curses. <laughs> <laughs> so now you know what to do when you're like, you know what, Todd's really disappointed in you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, that's the, all I have to say. The boss Todd inside you is mad. The boss baby that's been boss to- boss baby. <laughs> I feel I like you're like a crang. You're oh, like a like crang. Yeah, crang or maybe like a quado. A quado. Yeah. Because he's like the crang. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Quado just well comes out too. and he's just like bad at it. 
bad color correction. That video could have been longer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You went on and on with that. Didn't that you? is good. That was a very good impression. <laughs> Total Recall, my friends, watch it. It's classic. I like that those were all like on, you know, uh, message video notes that you've given yourself. <laughs> The color correction was off. He's one of my go-to. He's one of my go-to people for like when I'm running a campaign. That and Bane. I love doing Bane voices during our live oh, live stream. You like the darkness. Yeah, I was oh, yeah. born in it. Oh, what was that? Yeah. Whatever. It was, <laughs> it, it was improv, man. I, 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 yes, I haven't and. studied yes, Bane and. in the mirror yet. Okay. I was born in the darkness. You oh. merely adopted it. That was pretty good. That was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it sounds horrible either way, so. <laughs> no, I, We're I, have did, a Bane I did it to my off. cats. We always make our cats talk like Bane. Like, <laughs> anytime you would like to give us food, you let us know. What has happened? And then, I don't know, it's off the rails. It's well, totally it was very rails. emotional, and now it's very uncomfortable. So Does, I, I, wanted to, I wanted it to be a You did say act. you wanted it to be more fun. I'm not sure if we're there yet. But <laughs> as long as the cat ends up breaking your back at the end, then I think it's a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, clearly. Right. A calico cat just needs to walk in. His <laughs> and then the whole movie is ruined after that. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for stopping by. I know you're not going to be uh, here too often from Huntsville, Alabama, but I'm glad that you were. Um, and uh, we want you up here all the time. So you got to come in and, and, and give some managerial uh, meetings to, to uh, Todd. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Pretty all easy for me to justify uh, getting to this city. So <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll work. I don't like that. Nice. And we'll be seeing more of you. Uh, you're more than welcome to come on the podcast whenever you want. You Maybe invite you... me anytime and I will come talk Maybe to you about Bane accent. Stand back here. Yes, like, exactly. Know. Well, I'll, just, I'll do the ring. Like, how big, how wide is the camera angle? <laughs> I'll just do the ring girl thing in the corner. No, 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 the Blair Witch thing in the corner where I'm just like. <laughs> where your head is just the. <laughs> we should do that once when Shelly hasn't come in yet, yeah, and you'll just be in the corner. <laughs> and then you can do a Bane Shelley. voice. I know, this oh is so good. Oh, my God. Little does she know. She never watches these, so she'll never know that yeah, we were making like, fun of her the whole time. Oh, she just kind of does it and, and never comes back, right? Yeah. She's got, okay. yeah, she, she doesn't like hearing the sound of her own voice. Oh, well, oh. I hate it too. Okay. Trust me. Like, I'm I'm like the one on camera reporter that never wanted to You're be like, on, don't camera. Put me on camera. No, please. I don't, don't. want to be an anchor. Stop uh, it. Do I look like that? I look like a frost giant <laughs> who can't shop. For That's clothes. why you hired him. That, that makes perfect it. sense that now. Yeah. I forget how huge I am. I, I took a photo with me and Holly Conrad. I'm like, I am a monster. Because there's like <laughs> Holly and she looks amazing. And then my jaw is like the size of her torso. Totally. And I'm like, oh, God. Shrink me down, please. She has a spell. <laughs> she has she a spell. She can do it. Yeah. She has a spell probably that Jim Dark Magic doesn't have. Exactly. That was the best moment, wasn't it? Oh, that uh, I was so ready because I know how he is. For those of you who don't uh, know what we're talking about, you should go watch the uh, video on demand for uh, the PAX West Acquisitions Incorporated live game. It was tons of fun, uh, and uh, I, I thought that the, 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 the preamble with you guys in there was amazing. Uh, uh, I loved it, and I'm excited that uh, uh, everybody is now able to jump in and do D&D Beyond, and we can't wait to hear about what's coming down down the pipe. There's still development happening, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, a lot, yeah. lot more uh, to come uh, in the in the near future, as I've talked about with character management. Uh, homebrew, we're, we're blowing that out and making sure that uh, people can customize their layout changes uh, with, with the character sheet. That, again, we've gotten so much uh, great feedback. We'll continue to act upon that. And uh, we are also going to, I believe this month, start a, a little bit of a fireside chat as well. Who need? Um, on, uh, that we'll uh, host on a live stream that will allow people to ask questions. And I will answer those questions or I will, you know, 
uh, nimbly dodge those questions that I can't quite answer, uh, you know, the, the, the dance that has to happen. But uh, I think most people who have been involved in our forums and who have seen uh, what has uh, gone on to this point are aware that I actually am pretty transparent. And so uh, it's going to be a good opportunity for people to come and ask those questions and to uh, to hear from the horse's mouth, as it were. I can see right uh, through yeah, yeah, it's something we got to do. We, like People want to hear from you and hear, like, you just know. So You know it backwards and forwards. You'll, you'll be hearing from, from me, uh, you know, nice. on at least a monthly basis, probably. That's well, what that's we'll, so you're, we'll you're stealing Nathan's uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. A monthly section. I like yeah. that. It's a good idea. I, it's going to be way better than Nathan's. So I'm gonna, you need to I'm gonna do my. I'm gonna do a dra- I'm dragon side chat where it's yeah, just fire. But no, but I think uh, once a month I want to reach out to the community and figure out what kind of videos they want to see moving Ooh, forward and what kind of photos they would like to see, and like that, that kind of media and content that they would enjoy. And I think I'll do a similar live stream once a month just to it. connect with people. And and uh, again, connecting with fans has been. Um, the most emotional and unexpected thing. <laughs> so I am a very quiet person, but not here. Uh, <laughs> when there's not a microphone in front of you. Yeah, then I'm very quiet. Nice. Uh, well, cool. That's exciting. I like both those things. Can I throw some uh, some questions at you that you can Absolutely. practice with? Absolutely. All right. So uh, when is Dragonlance coming out? <laughs> well, you know, we have heard that the community uh, is is very interested in Dragonlance, but we don't have any plans for it at this current time. If we what about Dark do, Sun and Planescape? When are you going to do Planescape? Planescape. And I love this shirt. Absolutely love your shirt. Thank you for asking this question. We have no news that we can share at this time about <laughs> oh. any of those settings. I like that you made sure, it personal. But be sure to check out Tomb of Annihilation that takes place in the Forgotten Realms, available on September 8th. When are we getting Hollow right. World? <laughs> when are we going to go to Gamma, back to Gamma World? When are we going back to Gamma World? Athos. We need to go to Athos. Oh, Dark Sun. Right. But we do have things There's coming up. We've yeah. got all videos about Tomb of Annihilation this week, leading up to the launch. That's right. Yeah. And then we're going to have a video about Idol Champions. And then we're going to have more content about the D&D multiverse on a whole. And then I'm talking to Mike about videos specifically about classes and subclasses. And well, you know, I, I don't know if people have heard about this um, book that's coming out pretty soon called Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Oh, my oh, God. So we're going to have uh, quite a bit of video content. We're, so we're going to have, really like... Yeah, 30 to 50 videos about Xanathar's <laughs> Guide. I am so excited. I am. People I, wrote down those numbers right there. Yeah. They're, they're going to count them. They when, will. Yeah. I, saw, I also saw that artwork, and I was, like, skipping. Like a child at so five happy. years old in the 30s. I'm like, Xanathar's. <laughs> like, I'm so excited for so many subclasses. You had different. your culottes on. It was like. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'm so excited. Yeah. And I love Beholders. And that, that, that drawing, I mean, that painting is just like, ugh. That's my soul animal. I love the Xanathar. The goldfish, right? That's no. your soul animal. The beholder oh. is definitely my soul animal. He's my totem. <laughs> That's why I am inside. I'm just a big, a large friend. beholder. A large beholder and just lies. It's in your stomach region, and it's like the crane. That's where the pizza goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam, how can people find out about D and D Beyond, and also where you are at on on the line? Um, we can go to we. I go there all the time. I don't know why I said that. You can go to dndbeyond.com. Check it out. Uh, We are fully live. You can go on there. You can use the tool set. You can see all this great content we've been talking about. And I am at BadEyeAdam on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Well, I am... uh well, yeah, go to D&D Beyond. You will find all of my video content. We have a YouTube channel, and we also put all the videos up on Facebook for D&D Beyond. I also have a fan page, and I am just Todd Kenrek, not Kendrick, Todd Kenrek. 
<laughs> on Twitter. If you ever want to ask me a question Can you about spell that, please. K E N R E C K. It's a Welsh name. I apologize. You're about to get Ken wrecked. That's how you remember. God, you keep doing this. This, but there's no T at the end. Dang it. There's no T. But like somebody made a mistake when we hired him, and it was like Ken wrecked. Everything about interacting with everyone from D and D is like interacting with everyone who is like tenure, like Stranger Things. Like we're all the cast of Stranger Things at that age. But yeah, yeah. So I'm Todd Kenrick on Twitter. Hit me up. Send me a message. If there's a video you would like me to see uh, produce and stuff like that, send me a message. I would love to hear from you. Yeah. I, I love talking to the com- the community of D and D. So right. um, do it. You know, and like Megan, they have that idea. We're like, oh, you should. I don't know. I was always confused about this, or you know, tell me the more the story of, of you know of these two gods and why they're like this. So like yeah, my yeah, way, anything. My way from Megan is critical <laughs> to my intellectual process of developing. Like. What videos should we make? She is, yeah, she is amazing. Sorry, I can't shout out enough about my wife. Megan, <laughs> wow. Ma- Ma- Megan is. Uh, I-, I feel kind of bad, like I need to say something about my wife right now. No, it's too late. Honey, right I really, really love you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded so genuine. She's gonna be like, oh, she, he really does. She, I she think knows. We, we, we've got a rapport. <laughs> okay, good. You got a rapport. That's good. It's good to have a rapport with your wife. Usually. <laughs> It's it's overrated. Um, <laughs> I just say that because I know she's not listening. Uh, love your wife, everybody, and your love husbands. Your wife, Mostly your husbands because they're terrible people. And your familiars. Your spousal units. As, love as, them. as referenced yes. love by us. Love your owl bear. Love your owl bear. Yeah. Give him a big hug. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, this has been amazing. Uh, usually we do like a long outro with Shelly, but she's gone, so this yeah. is it. This is the outro. You guys got it. And uh, you can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito. Uh, ask me anything that you don't end up asking these two fine uh, gentlemen. Uh, but then, of course, you can find out anything about Dungeons & Dragons on DungeonsAndDragons.com. Uh, you can also download the latest, latest issue of Dragon Plus. It's issue 15. It's on DragonMag.com. You can check out all the content there. Uh, or you can get it on uh, your Google Play or iOS uh, under Dragon Plus. Fun stuff is happening there, uh, and uh, we're excited, and uh, we'll be back next week for more Dragon Talk. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.